Now that Donald Trump is no longer, you know, in office and the media is eternally desperate for something to talk about, they are starting to, for one, talk about Trumpism, say Trumpism is fascism and a whole bunch of other just uh, who cares? You know, look, man, Trump had his time and he might come back. He may be a a big player in the midterms and, and moving forward. But for the time being right now, Joe Biden is the president. Stop talking about Donald Trump. They can't, though. They're obsessed. Well, something is taking the place of Donald Trump in a different way. And it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Why? She's very much like Trump. Now, obviously not politically, of course, not age-wise. And Trump's an old white guy and she's a young woman of color. But when it comes to social media presence and the things they do, there are a lot of similarities. The other day we talked about how the media was overly distracting us because of this ridiculous nonsense related to Ocasio-Cortez and the critics. We actually have now a, a substantially more relevant story. When AOC told her story about being in the Capitol riots and, and fearing for her life and the cop banging on the door, I said, look, I can respect it, right? If you're scared and you've never experienced this, I'm not going to complain about that. I get it. I don't expect everyone to have experience in riots. Well, it turns out her story isn't true. So uh, there you go. Now trending at number one on Twitter is Alexandria Ocasio Smollett. No joke. They are comparing her to Jesse Smollett trending number one. In the U.S., on Twitter, maybe more, I don't know, but this is now a substantial political story because it sounds like AOC was actually lying. And there's another video people pulled up where she contradicts her own story. It's one thing to give a heartfelt, emotional story about you being scared and have people criticize you, and that's needless drama. It's another thing when a very high-profile politician lies about what really happened in order to garner power and, and political support, and that makes it a much more substantive story, albeit... Normally, I don't care for the drama, but there is a line, and I would I would say it's when we catch politicians in outright lies. And so I still kind of roll my eyes at talking about AOC, but that's the that's the gist of the story. But we do have a bunch of other stories. Uh, the good news for for Luke Rutkowski, who's here with us, is that he's now a person of color. This is this is not, not this is no joke. I'm not kidding. It's what is it, the Coalition of Communities of Color? Is that what it's called? I believe so. Yeah, they like said that Slavic people, based on their determination and their, the oppression, now are people of color. We're turning, uh, not just, we're not going to just do a segment about this. I now proclaim <laughs> that we're going to be talking about the this just in the entire show. So okay. uh, this is now the Luke Cast IRL show. <laughs> Thanks so much for giving me over uh, your show, Tim. Well, and this is I actually, appreciate it very no, much. but th- this is a good point. See, yeah. for a long time, I said this is a minority owned company because, you know, I'm part Asian. Mm-hmm. But as you now know, Asians are no longer part of the people of color because it's BIPOC. It's you know, uh, black indigenous people of color, they removed Asian from it. So I'm out. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah you're white. whiter than white. I'm, I'm double You're whiter white. than white. Double so white, so yeah. excuse me, don't interrupt me. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking, please. Stand aside. Uh, give up positions of power for people of color. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. This Luke changes asked. everything for me. Uh, if you want to support a minority uh, people of color business, you can. I'm on wearechange.org forward slash donate. As soon as I heard this, I had to check my credit go, score. Wait, hold on. You got to go on Google and yeah. list your business. I am. I am. I'm going to. I'm like, we just found out about this right before the show so i'm gonna go after youtube for discriminating against me and demonetizing my youtube channel yep. all the censorship efforts it's on yes it's on it's like donkey kong and now i mean this changes everything <laughs> i love it so much so uh, you guys you guys are allowed to speak go ahead oh, okay okay well we have a uh, we have a we have a bunch of other news as well we do, you know chris yes. pratt they're trying to cancel chris pratt because someone made a bunch of fake tweets and i, I do think it's interesting of course they're always trying to cancel somebody 
But they're legit trying to get a dude like pulled from his movies or whatever because someone made fake tweets of him. And we're entering the deep fake era. So there's a lot mm. we can talk about there for sure. We got COVID is apparently disappearing. It's great. Fake. Down 44%. Just gone. No one knows why. What? No, for real. They're saying it's not vaccines. Not, we don't know what it is. It's just all of a sudden it's going away. And uh, maybe maybe Trump was right. Remember when Trump said one day it's going to go away? Oh, one, yeah. one day. After the election. And it did when he did. Yep. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into these things. And, of course, I mentioned Luke Rakowski's here. Yes. I am tweeting up a storm. I'm going to be tweeting a lot more. Also on Instagram under Luke, we are changed. So uh, look out for some uh, crazy memes. I just memed uh, a really funny Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez meme. Very good. Definitely worth checking out. And, uh, yeah, I also release videos. I'm an independent media creator on the YouTube channel, We Are Change. Thanks for having me. We're hanging out with Jack Murphy, as we normally do on Wednesdays. That's What's great. up, everybody? Glad to be here. Jack Murphy at Jack Murphy Live on Twitter and uh, Jack Murphy Live on YouTube. Check it out. New videos coming almost every single day now. Come cool. down, subscribe, please. Appreciate and, of course... Cool. I'm talking about chilling. Jack Murphy in the house. That's right. Every hey. other Wednesday. I love it. My Every favorite other day Wednesday. Of the week. Love it. Uh, so have we completely jumped the shark here? COVID's on its way out and Luke's, Luke's a colorful... That's not jumping the shark. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you mock I, my designation, oh my Ian? I'm, I'm Don't make me expel you <laughs> from happening? society. Did I fall asleep for 100 years? What's, I don't know. I don't know changing? what's happening right now. I mean, this is great. So I gotta. I really want to go into this COVID story. This is this is the biggest yeah. news the, in the universe right now, if that's, if that's really the There's case. There's also a very uh, important announcement by the World Health Organization, but we, we got a lot to get into, so let's just get right into it. And I think we also have one more person, right? We do. We have me in the corner pushing buttons. I'm Sour Patch lids producer she is pushing all the buttons and before we get started make sure you go to timcast.com become a member my friends because uh censorship is a reality i mean no joke in the event that we do get purged we'll have our presence here at timcast.com but in the meantime we have bonus episodes we legit have a full bonus hour where me you know it was it was ian seamus and myself talking about life after death religion spirituality it's a very interesting con conversation. You can check that out at TimCast.com for members only. So sign up, help support the channel. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and share with your friends. All that good stuff. I bring you now to Twitter. Number one, United States trend, Alexandria Ocasio-Smollett. And number three is Kyle Rittenhouse. We'll get into that later. Oh, yeah. which is, it's a crazy day, I guess, all, all filled with all sorts of, all sorts of drama. But here's, here's the, the actual big news from Red State. AOC wasn't even in the Capitol building during her near-death experience. This isn't just one story. All right. I mentioned this the other day. We ragged on the idea of the drama because the drama was AOC was like, yo, the Capitol thing happened and I was scared. And I went, okay, I get it. And then Michael Tracy was like, that's manipulation. And then the media picked this up and made the story about Michael Tracy tweeting at AOC. And then the Young Turks is like, oh, SmackDown. And I'm like, dude, I don't care. I don't care. The, the news about AOC telling a story and then some journalists criticizing her. So what? Well, the story today is actually substantially different. AOC now has three big lies. One, that she feared for her life. This is the first thing she said. I was scared I was going to die that day. The next, Ted Cruz, you almost had me killed. And the third, I was terrified because the rioters were coming and, you know, they were, the, the cop was, was banging on my door and I don't know what was going on. And I was hiding. She wasn't even there. Hmm. Now, she responded to this claim saying, that's a smear, taking advantage of people who don't understand the capital complex. <coughs> so Jack Posobiec posted an image showing that the building she was in was across the street. It's not the same building. But there's tunnels, Tim. There's tunnels. You don't know about the tunnels? I know about the tunnels. No, that was her response. But they didn't go in the tunnels. They're that also connected response, through though. electricity, okay? <laughs> yeah, and this thing true. called Wi-Fi and internet, I mean, they're all interconnected. So, I mean... They could have came through the phones, jumped out, who knows? Now, the, look, 
that I, I try, I, I refrain for the most part from criticizing parts of her story the other day because I want to get in the drama. One of the aspects of her story was that while she was hiding from the mob, apparently, she had her staffers in the lobby, like, what? Like, to confront the mob for her? It's, it's insane. They should, they should all have been hiding. White people to the front. Right. I don't even think the person was white. <laughs> but but no, more importantly, it just wasn't a true story. Yeah. It was, at, at, at best, in her case, a total embellishment that, uh, okay, I get it. People, they, they, did, they did evacuate the building where her office is. And that was because there were concerns about maybe a bomb threat or something, but nothing to do with the rioters. And so she's telling the story of her like pinned up against the wall, scared the rioters were coming. Tons of news outlets actually wrote that the rioters were storming the building. They didn't even fact check any of this. She wasn't even in the building. Imagine the goal to understand that the country is so much in trouble, so divided. And what do you do in that moment? Look at me. I almost died and he almost killed me. I mean, that's absolutely insane. There's a meme going around with her, that famous photo of her at the border where she kind of kneels down and she's crying and they kind of replaced it with her watching the TV of the Capitol riots. And that meme's (laughs) going around viral right now. Because again, you have to understand here, you know, she also interjected. This is not that she just talked about it randomly offhand. She interjected when people were having a populist Reddit revolt on on Wall Street with the Wall Street bets. She interjected that with, with this particular story, which we're learning, is, is just absolutely nonsensical. So ask yourself, was it spontaneous? Was it deliberate? Was it intended to bring attention back to the fact that there's been an insurrection and there's domestic mm-hmm. terrorists and she's getting out in front now? messaging for a rollout of counter insurgency and counter domestic terrorism and censorship and censorship, all kinds of things. She has to keep the story alive, keep the emotion alive to, 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 to lay down some groundwork for legislation and action. Did you also happen to notice today that NPR and Reuters both running stories from Brennan saying that we need to 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 take the lessons that we learned from battling yes. insurgents yeah. in Iraq Literally. and Afghanistan and use those same tactics here against people in the United States? NPR was running that story interviewing a CIA agent that was a part of fighting counterinsurgency in the Middle East. It's, and, it's, and he's like, we need to do this. We need to go after Trump. It, it, it's crazy. He literally said, this former CIA guy, to NPR, that we have to treat the people who follow Trump like ISIS or Al-Qaeda. NPR, by the way, national public radio, yeah. not a national company. It's a private company. Right. It's a nonprofit, I believe. Yeah. But uh, they're now going to start bringing the domestic, uh, the war on terror home, domestic. Glenn Greenwald warned about it. Of course. And I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm saying I love the, the media scenario. You got to let me finish. I, I love that all of a sudden you now have these leftists who claim to be anti-authoritarian suckling the teat of the security state and cheering it on, cheering for 25,000 troops coming to D.C., cheering for a permanent green zone, barbed wire fences surrounding the Capitol, cheering for 5,000 National Guard permanently remaining in D.C., cheering for AOC as she manipulates and tells these hoax stories in order to generate the ability to, to swing public opinion, to generate the swing in public opinion to support more authoritarian lockdown. The tactics that they learned in Iraq and Afghanistan to manage an insurgency are things like this. Hire local gangs to carry out assassinations. Use bribery and intense intense uh, um, incentives. Use 
drone strikes in the middle of the night. Yeah. You, like, just yeah. make people <laughs> disappear. We, have to, we also have to understand this insane notion of an insurrection when the United States went there to their country. They're not insurrecting against anything. They're mad about guys coming into their country and then killing their people and then dropping drone bombs on them. So, so how, how dare you even call them insurrectionists? They're people who are fed up, who are wearing flip-flops, who don't even know you where mean, the United States is or even the concept of the United mean, States, most mean, of them. You talking about Afghanistan? Yes, now. yes. I mean, it's absolutely insane to understand, you know, the situation in Afghanistan from my personal friends who are vets who are saying a lot of these guys don't even know anything about the United States. They don't even care about what we do. They just want to live their life. And most of them are goat herders. I I want to point out the United States is an insurrection against the British monarchy. Let that be remembered. Started (laughs) so. But let me, let me read the story from the, from Red State. They say Newsweek even claimed that AOC. Uh, they, said, they said this: Ocasio Cortez said that rioters actually entered her office, forcing her to take refuge inside her bathroom after her legislative director Geraldo Bonilla Chavez told her to hide, hide, run and hide. And so I run back into my office. She said, uh, Ocasio Cortez said, "I slam my door. There's another kind of like back area to my office, and I open it." And there's a closet in a bathroom and I jump into my bathroom. It turns out, however, that wasn't true. They, they, they had to fact check and start retracting all this because it wasn't true. They say, as it turns out, however, my colleague Banshi reported earlier, AOC said in her Instagram drama that the person who came to her office was a Capitol Police officer. But she denigrated the officer who came to help, claiming he, it, he didn't feel right and that he was looking at her in all this anger and hostility. They go on to mention, but a few important things to note that seem to have been left out of the whole story. AOC wasn't even in the Capitol building where all the action was going down. If she was in her office, she was in the Cannon building, which is nearby, but a different building. But of course, many didn't get the logistics and just assumed that she was in the Capitol building. According to Rep. Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina, who has an office in the same hall as AOC two doors away, there were never any rioters in their hall. So there was never any physical danger from the rioters coming in at any point. AOC tells this story making it seem like the rioters are coming, taking advantage of the fact that people don't know where her office is, not in the Capitol building. And in response, we see this from her. She said, or, or let me let me slow, slow down. Jack Posobiec tweeted AOC. He, he tweeted the story. AOC wasn't in the building. AOC responds. This is the latest manipulative take on the right. They are manipulating the fact that most people don't know the layout of the Capitol complex. We are we were all on the Capitol complex. The attack wasn't just on the dome. The bombs Trump supporters planted surrounded our offices, too. AOC took advantage of the fact that people didn't know. They didn't know when she said, oh, the rioters and I was hiding my office. Most people just assumed her office was in the Capitol building. I did. I did, too. I did, yeah. too. She's Everyone so did. whole profile. Why not? Because she was telling the story no. about the riots and everything. I assumed that she was in this building. When it's when when it turns out it's not true and she was lying, she says, we're the ones or, or, or Jack Posobiec or the right are the ones manipulating. So here's what Jack Posobiec tweeted, a, a, a picture from Google Maps. Here's the U.S. Capitol building. And then you can see cross the street and you have Katie Porter's office. And then you have the that's in the Longworth House office building. Across the street from that is the Cannon House office building where AOC is. She was kitty corner to the Capitol building in a different building. They didn't go in the tunnels. They went into the Capitol building. When Jack pointed this out, AO said, what, what, what about the tunnels? They weren't in the tunnels. We know they weren't in the tunnels. That wasn't the news story. So it's a month later, and she comes out with another story. I'll, mind you, conveniently around the time that people are, are, are staging an insurrection, I'm doing air quotes, against Wall Street, and totally shifts the narrative. And we get into some stupid drama news cycle where they're just like, oh, Michael Tracy's a journalist, and he said some mean things about her. 
And the day goes by and everyone's like, you guys realize that she doesn't work in the Capitol building, right? And then I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bother to, to look into the story. You know why? I didn't care to cover it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. It's silly drama. So she was scared. Look, like I mentioned, AOC comes out and says, I was scared. And I say, I respect that. Look, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look, Jack, you're, you're at six foot five or whatever. If you told me that you, you, you know, you weren't scared, I'd say, sounds about right. And AOC is, you know, like what, five, seven. And she's like a, you know, just, a, she's, a, she's a, not, no experience in this kind of situation. I say, okay, she's scared. Can we move on? What's the point? Yeah. No, no use arguing whatsoever. But it, do you, my question to you guys, do you think that she just spontaneously sat down and started weeping on Instagram? Or do you think that this was, this was intentional? I think she's a sociopath. It's always intentional. Well, this is the thing. This is not part of a larger agenda. This is, this is, this is what we have to remember. She also was photo opt crying at a fence, looking at an empty parking lot a couple months ago. Yep. That's very true. So, I mean, the, the, the photo is very clear. It was at the immigration camps. There wasn't anything there. It was an empty parking lot. And she's weeping and, and crying. And those photos went viral. And there was big stories about this. And this is, again, rinse and repeat. Use emotion in politics to skew anyone's rational thinking and critical thinking skills, which are out the door because we have a lady that's crying. We have to do our, what, what is it called? We have to, we have to you know, white knight as best I, I as love, we can and support I, her. I love the meme where it's like a crudely drawn paintbrush meme, and it says, oh, no, she's crying. Quick, burn the Constitution. <laughs> yes. That's when the I, only way. Yes. When I say it's always intentional, what I mean is when you make internet videos, you're always doing it on purpose. You never, like, accidentally in your in your most vulnerable state get online and make an right. internet video. True. It's it's a and process. You, it, it, that, yes, and we've seen a ton of YouTubers do this where they start, they start filming themselves, and they're like, I'm just so sad, and I needed to tell you all. It's like you, you turn the camera on and then started crying for the camera. like to Breakup video. videos. They're right. so annoying. Yes. <laughs> AOC has really like taken this new internet drama culture of reality TV, much like Trump did from, from terrestrial television, bringing it into politics. She's bringing the same kind of drama, garbage, nonsense, reality TV from the internet into the political world. And it is gold. It's platinum. I'm afraid it's driving her kind of crazy. I went through it as a YouTuber when, and then with the things you think they love you for, you want to do more of. And if you think they like you because you're crazy, you want to be crazier. And then you want to be crazier and like try and top yourself. And to see that in a politician is terrifying. I think she knows what she's doing. I think she's a careerist. I think that's why I'm like, I don't care to talk about her telling her story. The fact that she's now Jesse Smollett everybody. And we all just assumed she was in the Capitol building. That's that's huge. Imagine if she went through what Rand Paul went through a couple of days ago when he went through a Black Lives Matter protest. A couple and weeks ago. Up, you know, a couple wait, wait, wait. Rand yeah. Paul. Yeah. I was there. I saved yeah. him. Yeah, man. What you happened? Saved Rand Paul. Yeah, Rand Paul. At like two o'clock in the morning, I was out on the protest. It was the night of the Republican National Convention, and they didn't have any security out in the street. And I spent all night escorting people from the, the convention, from the White House, back to their hotels, guiding them around rioters and mobs and stuff. And as I was getting ready to leave, there was Rand Paul. And I went up to him. I'm like, dude, you can't be here. And we bought some time and space. And we finally got some cops over he there. He got attacked. He got attacked. He got attacked because they said, why won't you support Brianna Taylor when he's literally the guy who wrote the, <laughs> the ta Brianna the, Taylor bill? Yep. He wrote it. But yeah. they assume, like, it's a Republican. Get him. Yeah. It's like, it's Rand Paul, dude. No, they don't like him. They don't care. Yeah. AOC comes out and talks about, you know, the first criticism she got for the story from a lot of people was, I wonder what the people who lost family members during the Black Lives Matter riots are thinking right now when you're claiming that, you know, you were scared for your life. But think about how, how despicable this is now. Not only are, you know, look, I don't like these games. Where they're like, well, the Black Lives Matter, you know, riots did all this damage, so you should be talking about them. I don't like that. You know why? They're different things. AOC is allowed to be like, yo, I was scared. 
It has nothing to do with what happened with Black Lives Matter. If you're mad that she, she, she didn't call it out, we can say, I, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Like, I mean, it sincerely, it, it's a horrible thing. And uh, I'll get your back. My only, my only request is just to, to pay attention to other people who feel, the sim- who feel similarly. I don't think it's a, it's a one-up game. But now I'm pissed. <laughs> because now it's not only does she defend that well, protests are supposed to make people uncomfortable. Not only does Kamala Harris bail out these rioters who burn down cities, literally got people killed. AOC now fabricates the story of, of you know, what went down. I actually have uh, uh, one tweet where someone actually points out that AOC even changed her story day over day, where first she was saying that she didn't go to the extraction point because she was worried about the other Congress people. And I did a big segment about this on my main channel about how the Democrats are scared Republicans will kill them because AOC was saying, I'm worried about what they'll do to me. She was telling how, you know, during the Capitol riots, I didn't want to go with the Republicans and be in the same place with them. Later, she's now saying that maybe she didn't get the extraction point information because the officer was withholding it. Like the story changed a month later. She is purposefully turning on her live stream and telling a sob story. My question is, you brought, you bring up a good point, Jack. Why, why, why is she bringing this up right now? It's been a month and she goes, they're trying to tell me to move on. I'm not telling you to move on. I'm wondering why it is you purposefully chose to start a late night primetime live stream telling a fake story exaggerating what went down and denigrating the cop who actually tried to save your life. If it was true that you were in the Capitol building, like everyone assumed, and, and maybe it's not her fault because people just assumed it, but that could be, uh, it's a manipulation tactic to leave out key details to make people assume things. I, w- I don't know if she has the savvy to actually pull that off. Maybe she does. So, I, think, but, yeah. I think she does. I think she's extremely cynical. I don't think people give her enough credit. I think we think she's silly and ditzy. I think she's incredibly cynical. And the fact that she brought in the like the race of the people who are being affected, like treating the cop like he was after her because her skin tone. If like that's something uh, intense for when you're feeling super emotional. If she's telling us this story about rioters coming to get her, it was bad enough. She was insulting the cop who was risking his life to save her when another cop already lost his life. Now it turns out this cop was probably just walking through an empty building and he probably knocked on the door, probably not even that bad and said, oh, where is she? Oh, she, you can come out. What's go go to the go to the go to Kitty Porter's What's office. What's up with the bombs? I heard about bombs surrounding. Yeah, there were the there were pipe bombs, I guess. Right? Yeah. Okay. She never said she was in the Capitol building, in the, from what I know. So she didn't overtly lie to people. She just omitted information, assuming that people knew. No, no, no. But now she's saying, when Jack Posobiec put out the story, she's like, "This is misinformation. They don't understand the Capitol complex." She's trying to defend the idea that she, she was said, in the riots. And the mainstream media was running with the story. She was at the Capitol. Many of them. And if if you're in that position, you're supposed to fix them. You're supposed to correct them but, as the person who's telling the story, but, but, so people don't assume. But not only that. She may not have said I was in the Capitol building. She was telling a story about how the rioters were potentially coming for her and she was hiding from them. Mm-hmm. They weren't they were across the street in a totally but different she didn't building. No, she it was just madness and chaos, so she didn't know where they were. Likely. She, she knew they weren't in the building. It's and when you later. say if you're at the Capitol complex, you're at the Capitol. Even if you're not in the Capitol building, you're still at the Capitol. Is the way I think the phrase it's irrelevant bro <laughs> look look i i was i wasn't at the capitol building that day but i was downtown i was on pennsylvania avenue i saw what was going on i felt the energy dude even i could tell that there was something off right there was energy in the air that wasn't usually there and it was unsettling to me and as i get in the reports of the riots at capitol i was like i'm not i'm not going down there so i can understand if she was uncomfortable i totally can the lying I even understand that people embellish. She's on Instagram. She's just talking her heart and whatever, mm. but the timing and why now 
Why what? now at the same time as all this news about domestic counterintelligence or counterterrorism and battling insurgencies and doubling down on people being terrorist groups and insurgents and, and, and suppression of civil rights and coming after people and de-Trumpification? I think it's smokescreen. I think it's yeah. meant. I meant it's meant to get us to do this. Like, why didn't she talk sit about Robin and, and talk about it instead of like being more focused on what but the CIA and the FBI and everybody are going to do? But I disagree. We, we, talk, we talked about this the other day. We're yeah. literally talking about the CIA and the FBI yeah. in this context and how it's dangerous that AOC's emotional story, which is fabricated, is a manipulation tactic that will allow yeah. the, the the federal government to expand national security powers. Yeah. And shout out to Rashida Tlaib once mm-hmm. again for for being the one person who says we can't allow the government to expand their their security powers on this. Meanwhile, AOC. A- is the one who's feeling the fire to do it. Do you think that that uh, signifies a crack in the squad? You know, honestly, I, I look back at a lot of the news and I don't I don't know if Rashida Tlaib was always completely in alignment, more so that they were kind of fellow travelers in a sense that uh, their interests aligned for a time for the time being. And uh, I, I'm not gonna be able to pull up all of the other examples where I've been like, oh, that's interesting that Rashida Tlaib wasn't agreeing with AOC on this one, but notably the omnibus spending bill. Rashida Tlaib voted against that, and so did Tulsi Gabbard. And I said, wow, that's really cool, Rashida Tlaib. That was the right move. More Republicans voted no on it. Tulsi Gabbard voted no on it. I wish, you know, more people voted no on it. What would be amazing is to have her on the show. So if anyone knows her and has connections to Rashida Tlaib, uh, please come down. Please message us. We would love to have you. And I think that would be an awesome, amazing, important conversation. I've probably said some very disparaging things about her in the past. Like very critical. Even better. I'm I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. We'll be fair like we are to everyone else. But she's obviously, you know, providing a perspective that's very critically important. And for a wider audience to understand that, I think is critical right now. I look at what AOC is doing as extremely destructive and... The, the drama politics, the snapback, clapback stuff is really, really bad for, for our, our political environment. It's got to be called out. It's got to be talked about. Get used to it, bro. Oh, I know. This I know. I mean, future. look, it was. Yes, absolutely. It is. It is reality TV politics is idiocracy. And Trump is to blame for a lot of it as well. But Trump didn't create it. AOC mm. didn't create it. Mm-mm. It's it's a natural byproduct of humans. Just I, I, they I, love for drama. I actively tried to create it in 2007. Drama I would, I would make your fault, YouTube Ian. video blogs talking about becoming the president using internet video to interact, where you don't need secret service. You can have leaders from around the world on Skype together. And but we're not talking about talking about, that. about Barack Obama getting him up as the first internet president. But that's not what we're, what, what we're talking about. With it. What we're talking about is instead of saying, let's do a live show where the president can talk to the constituents about new health care policy, it's more like, I'm running for the Democratic Party because Jack Murphy's a moron. Burn. Yo, high five me, Luke. Yeah. Jack, what do you got to say to that? I just roasted you on TV. Vote for me. There's going to be a lot of that. And I think that Trump and AOC are similar in that both of them, this is my take, are following their instincts. And it's not uh, as proactive and deliberate as my as people might ascribe to them. Uh, I don't give either one of them that much credit. I just think that they're being themselves going with the flow, feeling the energy, right? I mean, social media people, you know what the energy's like. You put something out, you get the energy back. You're like, oh, I do, just like you're saying, you do you do more of that. Like, I know exactly what kind of topics get high engagement for me on Twitter. I know which ones that don't. I still do ones that don't because it's true to me. Yeah. But if you're just following the energy, it's it's a, it, they're, it's, Bro. it's being drawn out of them as well. For, for, you're, you're right. For AOC and and for Trump, you know, Trump would tweet up a storm and, he, and he'd switch. He, like we, we long talked about how there would be some drama or a lawsuit, for instance. There was a really funny moment where Trump changed the asylum rules. And it was the one time no one cared about Trump's moves towards like immigration. Why? 
because he tweeted the squad should go back to where they came from and then come back or whatever. Trump knew he could tweet and shift the focus away from the things he was working on. And he did. You're right. I think AOC knows how to generate press attention, gain more followers. You got 12.2 million. And I think for uh, channels like this, look, you're going to you're going to you'll get a lot of grifters, people who similarly know what they can talk about in order to generate a ton of press. Dude, we we'd all be better off playing Minecraft, doing scare vlogs, you know, like jump scares and pranks. It, it does it does so much better. And so it's 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 weird to me that there are people who are grifters who choose politics as their as their path, really, because it's like, bro, you could just make Minecraft videos and do better. If you applied yourself in the same way, the hard work, you would be the biggest video game, Fortnite, you know, Call of Duty, whatever channel you streamed it. Politics is not where you want to go for this stuff. Politicians, however, it's exactly the game they have to play. And then they need other people to prop them up. So there, there is an element when it comes to political commentary from left or right of propping up the politicians they like and trying to win some political battle. But I truly believe that right now, the space we are in has nothing to do with politics. That's why they say, you know, Tim Pool is far right or whatever, even though I'm like, I like universal health care with, 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 with private supplemental insurance. That's a right wing position, apparently. But be, it's because I'm critical of their tribe. So it's really just tribal politics. That's right. AOC can lie and be caught and they will defend her and say, you're far right. Now, truth be told, Donald Trump even said he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose a voter got it, because got it. it was it was very tribal. Now, to, truth be told, I think in in the precursor to this new era, Trump was pushing policies people liked. And because of that, he generated a large tribal base, which expanded into a tribal base specifically. But a lot of people supported Trump on his policy. Notably, I did. I voted for him because of school choice, because of his later attempts to withdraw from Afghanistan and the Abraham Accords, etc. But now what I think we're going to be moving into as Trump leaves with AOC now getting 12.2 million followers is going to be absolute drama YouTube style. She'll make a video being like, you know, Ted Cruz, he was saying this. Ted Cruz, I challenge you to a rap battle. And then Ted Cruz is going to come out and be like, yo, AOC, what up? Let's rap. And it's going to get ridiculous. Not really Ted Cruz. Could be, though. Ted Cruz is already playing basketball with Jimmy Kimmel. Boom, there you go. So it's already happening. It's already here. And the, the, the bastardization of just the media space, just to get the clicks, just to get the attention, just to get the Paris Hilton PR model running, which is essentially what we're on. And again, we have to look. I, I, I've been saying this. I sound like a broken clock. It's a lot to do with the algorithm. You sound like a broken clock. I, I, I had to laugh at that. I had to laugh at that. Potato, potato. You know what I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to say yeah. here. Yes. Uh, I have to laugh at myself here. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, uh, where we're going to is just idiocracy times 10. But I think a lot of this is incentivized by the big tech algorithms, the big tech oligarchs who are controlling what we see, controlling what's popular, controlling what we don't see. And I think that perspective is is essentially really, really critically important moving forward because that power is everything. Like the Cortez obviously had this moment where she was like, I'm feel I know that the Robin Hood thing is scandals going on. I know that I could talk about the SEC and the banking industry getting involved with Wall Street and messing up these people's groups. But I'm feeling this. So I need to talk about what I'm feeling. And that is very selfish. You don't have to talk about what you're feeling. Sometimes you want to not talk about what you're feeling and talk about other things that are more important. Yeah, If you're a representative, you're supposed to represent 
other yes. people. Yes. Not, right? just not just yourself and talk about yourself and Preach. be self-censored and egotistical when you're supposed to be talking about the suffering of all the other people who are not doing good, who are downtrodden, who are being screwed over time and time again, whose wages are going down, whose uh, wealth is going down, all because of a broken system that you're now literally taking selfies in front of being like, well, don't Dude, I look pretty? A- AOC is Lil Trump. Yeah, no, I, that's I, I've true. been saying it for a long yeah. time. The people who follow her aren't cheering on her policies because what are her policies? <laughs> Green New Deal. Explain uh, to me what the Green New Deal is. It's so I, I, I mean, it literally, because I'm in favor of a Green New Deal. No joke. I did a whole video on uh, on it two years ago when, when AOC was talking about Green New Deal. I was like, this is actually really cool. And I pulled up a poll that said 85% of people support the idea of Green New Deal. You know why? The simple way of describing a Green New Deal. Should the government allocate more resources into investing in, developing, and expanding renewable energies? Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Jack? Yes, agree. I agree yeah. with that. Do you think yeah, so, Luke? Sure. You're against taxation. I, I don't like any government doing anything. So I, 85% of people are like, absolutely. Look, it, it, understanding in, existing in this con, the confines of the existing, t- existing taxation system, the U.S. government has tons of our money, and we think they should allocate more towards uh, green energy renewal projects and things like that, expanding technology, investing. So Linder was a disaster. But mm-hmm. people are still like, hey, man, look, man, we're trying to do something cool and good and new. Instead, we get foreign aid packages in the billions of dollars, trillions of dollars. And AOC's Green New Deal. What is it? Well, according to Saikat Chakrabarty, her former chief of staff, it has nothing to do with the environment. It's all about reshaping the U.S. economy. It was about creating uh, gender studies programs. It was about getting guaranteed college for people of color. Had nothing to do with the New Deal, with renewing. Look, we got crumbling bridges and crumbling roads, crumbling infrastructure. And we want to help push America towards more energy independence. And what I should say is more advanced energy independence to secure our position as an energy independent nation. Yeah. I like the idea of the investment. What AOC proposes isn't that. So I look at what people are talking about with AOC and they can't, what, what are they really supporting? Did she, did she force Nancy Pelosi to, to, to put a floor vote on Medicare for all? No, she just blindly voted for her. She's not doing anything to actually help progressives other than be a tribal avatar for the, for, for the, for the tribe. And what is she calling for? She's calling for big tech censorship. She's calling for the eroding of civil liberties. She's calling for a bigger police state that, of course, will, of course, rein in on supposed domestic terrorism threats. She's talking about a new Patriot Act 2.0. I mean, these are policies that, of course, go completely against Helping individuals. What actually does help people? Well, it's none of the policies that, of course, AOC is pushing right now, in my opinion. I think it, it seems to me, it seems to me that there's an algorithm we're not talking about right now, and it's the one that's in our head. We have an algorithm. Yeah. We are predetermined to react to certain things. She is hacking our human algorithms. Much like Trump did. Much like Trump. Yep. Much like anybody who's successful with social media in a competition for attention. It's the attention economy. You got to get attention. How do you get attention? You appeal to people's emotions. You put that out there. You trigger those empathetic reactions. And the byproduct of getting attention in a positive way because there is positive ways of doing it. But the byproduct of doing this is we're, we're just splitting into these empathetic tribes. You, yeah. you can watch the same thing with two different people. You take away two different outcomes, two different perspectives, and you can't understand at all what the other person is saying. I re- I tweeted something about this today. Jack Posobiec retweeted me, so I got I got the Jack Posobiec uh, tidal wave of comments. And he has a lot of haters, bro. And the people that were responding in the hate, the hate camp, man, they can't see it. And they think that we're all just... Just monsters and devils here, and terrible people because we because we think she's manipulating us. Here's what I love. So uh, there's this big battle going on between Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, and, and and the Democrats. They want her removed from her committees for things she has said previously that are fairly, you know, insane and bombastic. 
Don't get me wrong. And uh, it was reported that, you know, Kevin McCarthy, minor, uh, minority leader in the, in the House, was negotiating with her to, like, take her off one committee. I just responded with Republicans are such pathetic losers. Now, think about the context of that. Kevin McCarthy, Democrats demand Marjorie Taylor Greene be removed from all committees. But Kevin McCarthy says only one. And then I called Republicans pathetic losers. The immediate assumption from a bunch of these leftists was, why are you defending Marjorie Taylor Greene? And I said, what did I say in her defense? That it's, it's, an, it's a tribal assumption. What, what, if the, what, what if my point was that instead of just booting her off her committees, the Republicans were only were, were refusing and, and, and kowtowing to QAnon. And that's why I was calling them pathetic losers. You're, I just called them losers. And immediately the tribal assumption was I was in defense of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't mean, not, I don't mean to call out your methods, but you do tweet those vague yep. mirror projecting yeah. uh, tweets all the time. You mean you, like vague, like as in, as in it's like the magic mirror. It's like, yes, it's like whatever people respond reveals the way they That's interpret it. Literally why I did it. Yeah. yeah. And, and because, it's, it's effective. Yes. But the truth was, I don't care if the Republicans kick her off for committees or don't regardless they are pathetic losers, the Republican <laughs> politicians. Well, yeah. So I was like, I don't Indeed. care. I, th- I, I figured it was something everybody would agree with. <laughs> Right. Either you're a Republican who says, why are they coming after Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and, and bowing down to the Democrats or you're a Democrat saying, why won't they remove this crazy woman? Either way, they're spineless, pathetic losers who can't just make a decision. They're like, what do we do? What if we only hurt her a little? What, what if we only strip her a little bit? It's like, pick one, dude. Either you're with the Democrats and you're saying she's bad or you stand up for people who just got elected to your party. Spineless. I don't care if they keep her on or they don't keep her on. I think she said crazy stuff. And I understand why people are mad about it. I think there's been Democrats who've said crazy stuff. Maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene said some crazier, crazier stuff online. But regardless, pick one. They can't even do that. Who, whose side are they on? You know, the, the Republicans just love to do whatever they're told in a very pathetic and weak way. It's, 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 it's fairly sad. But, uh, but no, you bring up a good point. I almost always make these magic mirror tweets, as you call them. The goal is whatever tribe someone's on, they see what they want to see. And it's hilarious to watch them react to it. <laughs> yeah. I, tw- I, 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 you know, I got to say, I, it's Michael Malice, man. I learned from the best. Yeah, but I, didn't, I didn't come up with this stuff. It's hilarious to like kick over an anthill and watch the ants scramble, kind of. But you mis- yeah. you misunderstand. Yeah, but he's you, not destroying anything. No, no, no. no hold well, on, you're hold like on. finding joy in their, in their suffering and confusion. Who's, who's suffering? These Give people me, that are answering I genuinely to their think, own craziness. I genuinely think that Republicans are pathetic, spineless losers. And I... Kept it ver- fairly vague so that it wasn't overtly descript towards a particular individual. But like you also made a video about it where you went deeper into it. A video about you, what? Uh, you, you, you led a video. I heard you lead a video earlier today. Republicans are spineless losers. You actually called them losers in a video. Absolutely. And that and was I a explained. way for you to explain it. But in the tweet, it's it's un, it's like a vague and, you, and people are freaking out. And So and, what? Well, it seems like you enjoy watching people freak out. I don't look at the notifications. Vague tweets. I don't go and check what people are, are, are saying, responding I to, you just for the most part. The people you did. did so, were for you the just most talking part. about the response? Yeah, it was a guy who was said, whose immediate response to me after I tweeted it was like, you know, you are clearly supporting Marjorie Taylor. It's Green so weird because I completely stopped doing that, doing, doing vague tweets. I'm trying to be as specific in tweets as possible it's so pointless. that I don't confuse people. It, no, no, no. It, it, you, you, it's impossible. It's literally impossible. People will just tweet nasty things for no reason. I mean, look at Seth Rogen. Do you see the Seth Rogen, Jonathan Kay interaction? Jonathan Kay, who uh, he's, he's Quillette, isn't he? Yeah. He's Quillette. Jonathan Kay is, uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not super familiar with what his exact title would be, but he writes for Quillette. And he tweeted a joke about something. Uh, do you remember what it was, Jack? I don't. Joke? I it was don't. shampoo. 
Oh yes, that's yes. right. He was dog using shampoo. he was dog using dog shampoo. shampoo. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he tweeted this joke. It was a silly little joke where he was like, "For the longest time, I've been using dog shampoo and didn't realize until I went to the store and tried to buy it, and then noticed in big bold letters it says pet shampoo, and I should have realized." And Seth Rogen responded with like, "You're stupid," something like that. So nasty. And he responded with like. Okay, I'm, it was making a silly joke. It was a self-deprecating humor. And Seth Rogen was like, so what? I said, you're stupid. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the point of Twitter. That's why you don't use Twitter legitimately. No matter what you say, you passively make a joke where you are deriding yourself in, in silly humor, targeting no one, and a, a multi-millionaire celebrity will, will insult you for no reason. It's free. None whatsoever. So I don't give specific tweets. I see the Republicans. I see what they're doing. Instead of me writing out 500 paragraphs explaining everything wrong with the Republicans, I say, these people are spinal, spineless losers. Yeah. They I, won't stand up for anything. They don't defend anything. They just say, well, we'll do a little bit of what you want, Democrats, and then not do anything. But not all know. of them, right? Yeah. 99%. Yeah, you got like, Thomas Massey's cool. Rand Paul's cool. Yep. Josh Hawley's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, uh, Ted Cruz is okay. Dan you know. Crenshaw's pretty cool. Dan, Dan, well, I disagree with Dan Crenshaw on a lot of things, but I think he's an all right guy. I just really disagree with him on a lot of things. See, I just post a bunch of memes. And we that have works. to we have to remember social media is not real life, but it's becoming real life. And a lot of the nastiness is incentivized again uh, by the algorithm. Uh, when you do have that drama, when you do have that thing, again, we're talking about this again from the very beginning. It's all about emotions. And if you're able to spark a negative one, they've done psychological studies showing that gets more of your attention, that, that spurs the fight or flight uh, reflexes. And uh, here we are. You know, we're, Dude, we're talking about the same thing. There, so I used to work for these nonprofits. This is uh, now almost 14 years ago. I did fundraising for nonprofits and it was street canvassing. You guys know those people on the street that are waving to you, saying, like, you have a minute to talk about the environment or whatever. That you don't want to have eye contact with? Yes. Yes. Because if you have eye contact, they got you. Yeah. Yep. But you know, the, I'll, t- I'll tell you guys a secret technique. You know what a secret technique is? I could get anybody in the world to stop for me. Anyone in the world. You want to know what the trick is? Break dancing. Nope. <laughs> Trip them. You don't ask them anything. You just hold out your hand. Like you walk up to him, stand in front of him, you hold out your hand and shake it. And then once you're shaking your hand, you say, I'm going to talk to you about the environment and why touch. you're helping. It's the same way if you well, meet no, a girl no, 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 no. and you want to get no, intimate. It's, no, you, no, 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 you you're wrong. You start off with physical contact. That's not it. It's that I'm physically holding them and they can't leave. And then you get pepper spray. Well, there's there. that too. <laughs> but I'm shaking their hand. You see, it's a clever, well, high, high, high pressure Ian. sales tactic. That came out a little psycho when I said You that. grab their hand and you shake it and they can't walk away while you're talking to them. And then with your other hand, you hand them your clipboard. They grab it. And then you let go, and then you put your hands, you, 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 know, you hold your hands to your side. Now they're physically holding your property. They'll try and hand yours, it to you, but yeah. they, can't, they can't leave as long as they're holding it. Anyway, I digress. When I worked at these offices, they would have these, event, these events where they would mass purge the entire office, firing 40 to 50 people in a single day because demoralization is like a virus. So you have 40 or 50 people, and you need them doing sales for a cause, which means they have to be passionate and positive. They go out in the street and they say, dude, I need your help right now. We got to save the world, man. I believe in you. Do you believe in me? Let's do this. Give me your credit card. Now, how much we're going to tell how much money I'm taking from you. So getting people to feel good was was paramount. There's also also ways where you can make people feel regret or, or loss and make them feel a sense of urgency to get them to donate. But what happens when this when the, when the when the fundraiser, the canvasser can't do it, they get frustrated. They get really close to that sign up, that membership, and they fail. Now they're getting frustrated and angry. They try again, but that frustration persists. Now the people who are walking up to him see this angry person with a furled brow, and they're like, I don't want to talk to you. You're nasty and pissed off. That person comes back to the office. Their friends say, how was your day? He was awful, dude. People are such awful people. I hate this place. And then the other people feel that negativity. 
The negative negativity started to spread like a virus. So all of these offices, what they would do is they would have no joke, 40 to 50 people in the office, all training, and they would do debriefs at the end of every day when people come back to the office and then they would ask you, how was your day? If too many people said negative things, they would immediately fire every single person to stop the spread of the negativity you, virus. You're making me think. And then rehire a, a, an entirely new team in the next week. The negativity virus is in Congress. Oh, absolutely. But it's on social media. And it can't, unless we get rid of all of them, it's going to persist. No, I'm the not people talking that have about been Congress. There still have it. I'm talking and about people, Twitter. New people go in like AOC on Twitter, and now she got it. You have people who are overtly negative, being negative to other people, spreading around a negativity demoralization mind virus. So one of the stories I like to tell is about how I was getting a cab from New York. I was in Manhattan. As people in New York know this, New York cabbies in Manhattan will not go to Brooklyn because they got crazy rules. Yellow cabs can't pick people up in Brooklyn. Green cabs don't pick people up in Manhattan. So if you're in Manhattan, the cabbie pulls up. What they'll do is they'll crack their window a little bit. And then they'll say, where are you going? They're not allowed to do this. It's illegal. You'll say Brooklyn and they'll peel out. So you got to say, you got to give them a fake address or something, get in. And then as soon as you're in there, go, oh, actually, I mean Brooklyn. And they get really mad. Well, so I had a cab pick, pick me up. And I didn't lie to him. He just pulled over. I got in the car and he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Williamsburg. And he got really angry. And the entire ride from Manhattan to Brooklyn, which is a decent ride, he was just driving like a, like a jerk. He was cussing. He was angry, complaining. I got to drive Brooklyn. And just mad at me the whole time. And I didn't say anything to him. And then when I got out of the car, I gave him 100% tip. I doubled the money. And as I'm, as the receipt's printing, all of a sudden his, he just like, was like, oh, uh, thank, th th thank you. Thank you so much. The, uh, bless you, bless you and your family. And I was like, Hey man, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the, the time out of your day to bring me to Brooklyn. I know you can't pick people up. So hopefully this gets you back to, to keep working. And I hope that you, you know, bring a positive light to the you know other people because now that guy feels bad for one about being mean to me because I hooked him up. But more importantly, I wasn't trying to make him feel bad. He's happy. He's like, dude, I was, I was in for a bad day. And this dude just covered the cost of my trip back to Manhattan. Now, here's the point. The next person who gets in that vehicle is going to see a smiling, happy guy who's going to be like, don't worry about it, buddy. I got you. Today's so, a good day. So rather than try and combat the negativity, you let them be angry and then still give them positivity. You create a positivity mind virus. You spread the joy. This guy who's angry at me, I could have been angry at him. I could have said, you know what? No tip for you because you were mean. And then I say, ah, get him. I screw you. Then the next person who gets in that cab is going to be like, hi, I'm just getting off of work. And he's like, I don't care where you're going. And dude, why are you mad at me now? Now that guy, the passenger is going to get angry. I don't want to spread that mind, that evil, that anger, that rage. I was like, this guy was mean to me. But you know what? It's not about me. It's about the next person who's going to get in this cab having a bad day. So I want this guy to have a good day. I don't know why he's mad. Maybe something bad happened to him. Maybe he lost his son. Maybe he stubbed his toe, whatever. Here's a good day for you, buddy. I hope this changes things and makes you feel better. And now... He has a good day and he spreads that good day to others. Social media is full of negativity mind viruses. So I try very hard, very often to have semi-neutral or just like non-direct tweets at individuals. I don't like tweeting at people saying very direct and harsh things. I don't do that because all it does is spread that mind virus. And that's why when I had that moment with Frank Luntz, the pollster, I simply asked him a question. He snapped at me, insulted me, said I wasn't a journalist. I'm like, dude, what's with the hostility, man? I just asked you a question. Like, what's wrong with people, dude? Twitter has created a negativity demoralization hive mind that everyone is getting sucked into, and it's making them nasty, awful people. And it's even yeah. bigger. It's text communication that's confusing people, I think. Well, you know, energy is contagious, and I'm surprised you don't know this, Ian, uh, or you don't have a t-shirt that says this. Your Ooh, vibe, let's make a t-shirt. Your vibe <laughs> is your tribe. 
So that, you know, we see a lot of hippies saying this. This is why I try to stay usually as stupid optimistically as I can, because essentially it's a choice. And at the end of the day, we all have a choice where we invest our energy and our mindset into. And what you bring up is critically important, because when faced with negativity, you could either be, you know, engulfed by it and represent it, or you could choose to defeat it back with positivity. So uh, I think the story that you shared, I mean, you told you told me it before a couple of years ago. I think it's it's a very important one that people should know about. Here's my advice to people. You're on Twitter. You're seeing people tweet. Resist the urge at all costs to be mean to them. If someone says something mean to you, say, you know, what I, you know, what I, you know, what I would say I say to people online very often on Facebook and these arguments, I'll say something and I'm never hostile. I'll try and actually be accommodating. And when they start insulting, attacking me, I'll say, I don't understand why you're being so mean to me. And you know, this is what I say. Yesterday, you read a super chat. You were like, it's a negative one for you. Ian. do you want to hear it? In retrospect, maybe I'll say no, don't publicize those. But I had this urge to snap back and be say something really mean. And and all that would have done is tainted the night. And I didn't. I just held it in. I got a lot of really nice comments today from people regarding that that experience. So there's another example of it. Tim, what you're talking about is operating on a higher level of mindfulness, right? And and intentionality. And that's something that I want for everybody. Intentionality is a superpower today. People who are conscious about where they put their attention, their focus, and their energy are going to be more successful than people, happier, more successful than people who bob along the currents, right? Most of our country is sick because they're bobbing along the currents. They are fat and they listen to the current of the nutrition pyramid. They're in debt because they listen to the currents of going to school. They're slaves to a corporate wage job because they listen to mindfulness and intentionality are a superpower today. Now I want to just share one story that is maybe a bright spot here. You know, when I tweet about Antifa and conflict and riots, I get a ton of engagement. Of course, when I tweet about my nerdy philosophical, philosophical stuff, I don't get as much engagement, but it's important to me. So I do, but every so often I tweet about my kids and I tweet about being a father and stories of fatherhood and stories of my son becoming a man and the things that we've learned and taught and his experiences. And I got to tell you, of all the things that I've had go viral and everything, it's the stories about my son growing up as a man that have done the best. Millions and millions and millions of views tweeted all over like Africa. I had like princes in Africa, like responding, like it just bonker town, millions and millions of views, famous, famous in, in my universe of snow shoveling threads and the baseball threads and things like that. And even my pinned tweet thread uh, on my profile has been seen by millions of people. It's a crazy story about positivity. And at the end, people said that they're like cheering. So there is certainly a vibe out there that you can latch into of positive energy of growth. There's a whole growth mindset Twitter out there. I think perhaps the political sphere on Twitter is very nasty, but there are subcultures and sub and niches all across Twitter that are about positivity. They're about mindfulness. They're about parenting. They're about your values. They're about finding people that share your values. So I agree I've seen it. If I wanted to have 10,000 you know, more followers, I tweet about riots in Antifa all day. Uh, but truly the stuff about my son yeah. generates the most positive energy and, and it brings me the most joy yeah. as well. And that's usually something that, that we don't see. That's usually something that doesn't go viral, but when it does, it's extremely powerful and there's a, there's a residency. There's, there's something else more to it than, than just, you know, the plain kind of text out there. And, and it's not just positivity. One of the things that I really wanted to bring up is gratitude. Yes. I've been doing 
a gratitude journal almost every day for eight years now. I write down five things I'm always grateful for at the end of the day, right before I go to sleep, just so I could, you know, you know, hippies talk about manifestation, yes. you know, a lot of work people talk about creating, uh, especially in the entrepreneur sphere. But but reminding yourself, hey, we are extremely lucky. We are extremely blessed, especially to live in the Western world, especially to, I mean, if you make $30,000, you are pretty much the 1% of the world. You are, yeah. So, so when we look at it from that perspective, instead of the perspective of what we're lacking, of what we don't have, we don't have the latest PlayStation 5, we don't have this. This is the marketing schemes of these multinational corporations that use these psychological tricks to make you feel empty, to make you feel sad. There was also, you know, some of the things that I started bringing up and looking into is, is just how they do it. There was even specific restaurants that used to play sad music whenever they had a dip in business because they knew people would get sad and what would they do? They would stuff their miseries with a big cheeseburger in their face. So so these kind of psychological tricks are used on social media to extreme levels. And I think this is why we are seeing depression, suicides, self-harm, and all these negative mental health effects from social media that are utilizing this at a record level and creating very severe consequences that we're going to have to deal with. That, that sadly, there, there's no person that could speak out against it because the algorithm will downvote it because the multinational corporations won't be making any money off of it. It's the, the Seth Rogen aspect of the story is really the craziest thing to me. That you could be wildly successful, funny guy on TV, his movies are always a laugh and a hoot and a good time, I'm a big fan, and then just see how, like, there's this weird, I don't know, negativity possession of the man, where he goes on Twitter and he's just awful to people. It's like He's just so mean to people. Negative comedy sometimes can sell if you say it in a sarcastic way, but it's when you're, you're vibing, you're, you know, your voice is vibrating the other people, he but said, when you write it down... Forget about but it. But that's not a joke. He just said, Jonathan K., you're stupid. I could see his character in a movie being like, you're stupid. And <laughs> you know, like that. And but that's the, not, the but, audience but, would be like, oh, yeah. But it's James not a character. character it's him. It's, it's a human being. It's a person. Yep. It's a verified why, person. Why it's him is, being a, a jerk. Why would someone who's so extremely wealthy, who could, who could do whatever and is so successful... Just go on Twitter and call insult someone like that. Well, I think it's. I a mean, good, tons a good, of people do. It's not just him. It's a good example that money and fame certainly don't ensure happiness and contentment yeah. or gratitude or mindfulness or appreciation. Luke, I want to go back to something that you said a minute ago about hippies talk about manifestation. Well, then call me a hippie, dude, <laughs> because I believe in manifestation. No. I believe in the yep. power of personal narrative. I believe that the story that you tell yourself can change the world around you. It changes you. It changes the way people perceive you. It changes the opportunity opportunities that come your way. It changes the way you perceive the universe and data and information. And the stories that we tell ourselves are the most yep. important thing that we I have. live by one simple motto. You are the imagination of yourself. Yes. Uh, I believe it was, who, who said that? Um, I think it was Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks is the one who, who said it and explained it best. But but that is something that I keep reminding myself whenever I get too deep into the whole political sphere, whenever I yeah. get into a negative tailspin. Uh, Lydia, you have something yeah, to say? Yeah, so I was actually reading a book just a little while ago yeah. about stress by a lady named Kelly McGonigal. She was talking about how stress will shorten your life, but oh, yeah. only if you think that it's bad. Only if you think that stress is bad will it literally shorten your lifespan. If you view it as a positive chance to develop yourself... It will make you stronger and better and actually live longer. Yeah. And, that a, was amazing. and in retrospect, yeah. a lot of the stuff that we're arguing about and fighting about is absolutely petty. It's yes. absolutely pointless. It absolutely doesn't even add up an, an amount to anything. It's just a lot of egotistical, grandizing, in, inward kind of thinking that, that doesn't really produce anything. It just destroys. Egotistical. 
Yeah. yeah, I said yeah. that. I'm I'm a Slavic person. <laughs> you right. better not correct me on my speech. English is my second language, and with my new designation, you better watch out, pal. That's I get banned on Twitter. So it's that, really yeah. important yeah. to understand about the counter and ter- uh, uh, terror stuff that's coming, and all the Patriot Act 3.0 and whatnot. But oh. but personally. I'm more inclined to be thinking about my values, my mm-hmm. personal values, and finding other people that share my personal values, and then getting alignment. Yeah. I don't know if you have alignment. I have alignment. I have alignment where my values, my mission, my actions, day-to-day, my purpose, everything are perfect alignment. And I don't need motivation, man. I am weightless. Yeah. I am invincible. Your I virtues. Am, I am drawn straight ahead across a frictionless surface towards my vision because I spent years telling myself what it's going to be and where I'm going to go and dreaming about it and constantly just shaping my reality in order to make it happen. Yeah. And now here I am. Yes, the politics are important. Yes, we have to pay attention. Yes, bad things are coming. But at the same time, it's more important than ever right now to find people who share your values. And that's what we're doing in the liminal order, man. Masculinity, brotherhood, sovereignty. Get you people know, together who share I your values. Come check the, it out. The, the liminal, liminal order. order for a second. Well, so, that's a company people, that you created. People need to understand uh, when, when you're choosing your direction, when you're finding your destiny, there have been many moments in my life where there have been very obvious roadblocks that felt like if I go in this path, I am literally trying to push against a brick wall. It's not going anywhere. And there have been certain moments where it just feels like you said, Jack, gliding across a frictionless surface. A lot of people might have trouble figuring out how to get that path rolling. But I'll tell you this. When I first started doing everything I was doing, I was homeless. You know, so so starting at Occupy Wall Street, I had nowhere to live. I was sleeping in a park. And I just did what felt right to do and seemed to just, I don't know, seemed to be the thing to do. And it didn't make a whole lot of money. And then eventually a little bit of money came in. And then I was sleeping on a guy's couch. And then over time, it's not like one day I woke up and just signed a piece of paper saying, I'm going to start a big business and do a podcast. It's all just pieces that have been added to the, you know, it's like building a Lego. It's like you, a Lego model or whatever. You're adding one piece every day. And eventually you have this big sculpture. Or as, it, as, as the statement, uh, the, the old adage goes, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. You guys are talking about positivity and negativity and alignment. I see this as like a physical phenomenon, literally. Protons are, have positive energy. Electrons have negative energy. You have an electromagnetic field. And when you can balance these energy forces and with neutral energy coming from a neutron, it will literally elevate you magnetically off the earth. You become less weighted down by thoughts and feelings which are like create packets of dark matter that weigh you down your thoughts you know um i also think about the liminal order i want to talk a little bit about positivity and negativity because in science protons are heavy electrons are really light it's really easy to attract negative energy in science and i think also in life um they but that's why it spreads like a virus it is it is and and it's hard for people to apologize it's hard for people to resist when someone's negative to you. They immediately want to react and be negative back. It's a process called runaway breakdown in science that is, is known for producing lightning. You have a cloud of plasma of electrons and one will go and then all the other ones will follow it. And it creates this shock of electri- negative energy. Now, negative energy can also draw positive energy in and positive energy can bring negative energy. So there is balance. And sometimes like when you go negative and start talking about the, the deep, hate and the negativity things, I want to become positive to balance it out. There's that phenomenon too. So if you're only positive, you may end up running into trouble. And so it's important to acknowledge these things as well. What what I do with negative energy is jujitsu it, man. When I got doxxed, when I got fired, when I had my name tarnished and I went through all that and I lost my job and income, my reputation, everything I had built for years, you take all that negative energy and whoosh, turn it around. 
And now I use all that attention and all that momentum to build an organization, values-based organization, where men have come together with people who share their common values to create that frictionless surface and alignment and move towards your goals in a way that's it's it's basically effortless. Let's 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 talk about what's going on with the you mentioned the the CIA the domestic terror stuff because we have this actual big story from CNN. Canada will list the Proud Boys movement as a terrorist group. That's that's the gist of the story. Canada is now saying the Proud Boys are terrorists. They say they'll be deemed an ideologically motivated violent extremist group, along with three others, Adam Waffen, the base, and the Russian imperial movement, of which the Proud Boys don't necessarily belong in that group at all. The government said in, in, in a news release, their violent actions and rhetoric are fueled by white supremacy, anti-Semitism, racism, homophobia, Islamophobia, and misogyny, and unfortunately, often in combination of all of the above, said Public Safety Minister Bill Blair at a news conference Wednesday. I mean, it's just factually incorrect because as everyone knows that Ricky Tardio was not a white man when asked about the new terrorist designation of the Proud Boys uh, for the Proud Boys Blair said that the events of January 6th at the U.S. Capitol did initiate a political response in Canada but that the decision was not political quote and as a disturbing and concerning as those images and those events were they also provided law enforcement and our intelligence services with a trove of new information in which quite frankly many of these groups revealed themselves said Blair adding that Canada's decision was based on evidence intelligence and law my understanding, Proud Boys don't really operate all that much in Canada. Isn't that, isn't that true? I mean, I haven't seen anything. I asked my audience today, like, what did the Proud Proud Boys do in Canada? I mean, I haven't seen any protests. I haven't seen any attacks. I haven't seen any actions or consequences that have led to any kind of human suffering. And now the, art, that, the article mentions three groups. The Proud Boys are now listed also with Al-Qaeda, the Muhajin, and ISIS. So that's the designation that they give the Proud is, Boys. And, you know, whatever you think about them, like them or hate them, I, I think this is a stretch to say the least. And it's a very slippery slope because they're essentially saying that anyone could be a terrorist in well, the future. Let's let's talk about what happens next. Uh, I'm not going to name any specific banks, but there are many banks that are international banks. They operate in the United States. They're very large, some of the biggest in the country, and they operate in Canada as well. Believe it or not, though, you know, for a lot of people who haven't traveled, there are a bunch of really crazy other, com you know, you go to another country and you'll see a bunch of different banks you never heard of. And that's, okay. I mean, it should be obvious, but a lot of people are kind of surprised to see a bunch of weird banks they never heard of. But in, in this current day and age, it's really interesting to see a lot of these banks, the same banks exist in a bunch of other countries. Let's say you've got some guy who's a proud boy in the United States, never been to a rally, never been to an event, never been in a fight. His bank calls him up and says, although in the United States you have a right to free speech, and you have never been con uh, convicted of a crime or charged with a crime or even at a rally. In Canada, you are deemed a terrorist and we operate in Canada. So we cannot provide financial services to you lest the Canadian government come after us. So now if there is a company that requires any kind of government uh, certification or permitting through Canada for their Canadian arm, they will come for you in the United States. There are probably web services, especially that say, well, we operate in Canada as well, like Facebook, for instance. What happens now? Well, Canada is going to say, we want you to ban all the terrorists. You cannot have Facebook in our country if you host terrorism. Well, now that the Proud Boys are terrorists, Facebook will be like, okay, what do we do? Do we ban them all and then make it so that they're only banned in Canada? So when they post things, it doesn't appear in Canada? Or does Facebook just start banning them outright? I'm pretty sure for the most part, they've all been banned anyway. But now we're going to start seeing how in the US, you may have rights. But thanks to the ever-expanding international corporate system and international free trade stuff, you, could, you, you can get some small island nation with a decent amount of money, and 
they could say whatever they want. And then these big corporations, if it fits their fits the bill, they're going to be like, okay, cool, ban them, get rid of them. They're done. So yeah, sure. You'll be allowed to uh, you know live and function as you want. But what about Visa and MasterCard? Visa and MasterCard operate in Canada. What if Canada says to them, you are providing financial services for a terrorist organization? So then Visa and MasterCard in the United States tell the Proud Boys, anybody who's ever been associated, we're su- shutting you off from all credit card services. That's 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 it. There's two companies. Maybe you go discover Amex, I guess. But what happens when those companies say the same thing? Because they cop- operate internationally as well. This designation is insane. And we're going to start seeing just how bad this whole domestic war on terror is going to get. The babies are going to get thrown out with the bathwater here. I mean, it's also important to remember, like, if you read the front page of the Washington Post the last couple of days, it reads, the, the, the copy reads as if there was a planned, premeditated, like, domestic terror attack, a revolutionary attack that was planned and implemented and was successful and people are dead. And so that this is what they really and truly believe. In the minds of people like AOC— there was a bunch of six foot five, super ripped dudes with night vision goggles and tactical gear storming in, going, move, move, move. Now, Pelosi's office, run, run. And then a bunch of cops came in and fought him. And it was this great battle. And then she's hiding in the bathroom. And the guy bangs the door. Boom, boom, boom. Where is she? And then she's like, what's happening? It's a cop. And he goes, get her out of here. And she's like, oh, no, no. And that's, that's how they're framing it. No, when in no. reality, it was a bunch of like bewildered, bumbling fools. And the cops opened the door at one part. Yeah. There was the storming of the cent- central door. But the cops open the door and people are waving little flags and walking in. And the cops are like, oh, that's your right to protest. One cop took a selfie with people. In reality, there was also individuals that had jackets with their phone numbers on the back because of it, it was representing a construction company that they had. And I'm sorry, you know, a lot of these maskless people... They're, they're not criminal masterminds. Uh, they're, they're not the sharpest knives in the draw, especially when they have their phone number on the back of their jacket doing all of or this. Or when the guy takes the podium and then he smiles and waves to the camera. They yes. There's but, no plan but, here. But we, we all know this. But the Washington Post puts it on the front page that there was a battle in the Capitol and people are dead. And it was because we have terrorists in America. So if you take that as the base, which is now history... Right. I tweet, I tweeted a, a poll today. I said, who won the battle of narratives for January 6th? The commies are the good guys. 80, 90% the commies. Even oh, our sure. guys believe, right, that they, that we lost the battle of the narrative for January 6th, which is going to go down for all of history, which is now going to be the linchpin in the Patriot Act stuff and the, and the insurgents uh, crackdown that's coming. And there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. And you know what? People aren't going to care. We have collateral damage. Obama. Obama drops bombs on babies to get a terrorist. And guess what people say? Collateral damage. Yep. Collateral damage. I don't think that the uh, that that's too far away from where we are here. And I'm talking to John Robb uh, next week, who is an amazing strategist, technologist. He writes at the intersection of war and politics and technology. He's been predicting this for some time. He's been predicting the fact that there's going to be a corporate techno-fascism rallying around an insurgency counterinsurgency development in the United States to just use that as the tool and the vehicle by which just clamp down on free speech, human rights, freedom association, freedom of movement, all of the things that we hold dear as Americans. So really, if you think about it, they're framing us as insurgents, you know, us MAGA right term, right side people. It's, it's kind of true because we're occupied. We're occupied by people that don't believe in the American spirit. They don't believe in American history. They want to change American yeah. history. They don't care about any of it. What does the Second Amendment say? Right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Bear? Is it bear? Yeah. Keep, yeah, and, okay. bear Keep and bear arms. Yeah. What does it mean to bear arms? Open carry. 
And in how many states are you not allowed to open? So carry? many, of course. Right. Yeah. It's just the Constitution is completely meaningless. It's gone. I know it's gone. And it's going to get even worse. It's going to get even worse. And so... Uh, you, know, you, know, you want to know what I'm looking forward to, though? For the first time to see a Third Amendment lawsuit. Oh, man. What's that? You got, you got me on the third one. Be oh, the quartered? Yeah. Oh, yeah. quartering. No quartering in private homes of, of military. That one's never going to happen. It's just archaic. And it's really interesting that it was a big deal back then. And it's not really been that big of a deal for us in modern times. But all the rest of them, especially the fourth, the fifth, the first, second, they're all huge. Even the ninth, the tenth. I mean, oh, almost I every amendment is coming I didn't up. even remember the third when you brought it up just <laughs> yeah. now. I was like, wait, which one? Yep. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soldiers can't be courted in private homes. Yeah. I well, could see like if there was an uprising, an armed uprising, and then the people that were uprising would be like, we need to use your house. We need to we need to use your house. And that could be like a violation of people's That was basically rights. what it was, you know, back in the day the soldiers would be like we're fighting a war and so the soldiers are coming in and we need a place to stay so we're taking your yeah, home not that the government would do it but that our own people that were rising up to protect us from the government would try and do it but I, these are these are pretty scary times because we have thousands of troops inside of the u.s capitol we have politicians we have the mainstream media cheering on the deep state arm of the intelligence agencies large unaccountable departments within our government that are going after people for their speech for their beliefs and they're doing it more and more aggressively as we just learned that the fbi raided the house of rally organizers that organized a rally on the night before january 6th now cnn was you know wrote a whole article about this how this was justified because of their language but again, these people weren't charged. They just had their doors busted down because they organized a political rally. Now, I don't know exactly what these individuals said. I don't even know who they are. But but this is, again, an FBI that has been mobilized and activated and is becoming more and more political. When it came to individuals like Epstein, they sat on their hands. They didn't do anything for over 30 years 30 years, so many horrible crimes are happening with that individual, nothing. But now, you know, we have this insurrection. They're mobilized. They're activated. They're putting up wanted posters all over the United States. Oh, my God. In every bus shelter in D.C., it's just all these pictures of guys in MAGA hats and just like, do you know these people? Wow. All up and down my neighborhood, all over the place. You know, and an additional scary element to what's happening is not only are they looking to prosecute people for crimes today. Not only are they looking probably into the future to prosecute people for anticipated crimes, they're going back five years. They're going back, Rick, Ricky Vaughn. Going back five years mm-hmm. to Ricky Vaughn to get the guy for a meme. Now, it, 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 it's possible that it was actually illegal and you can't tell people the wrong way to vote and whatever. But it was, it was, it was pretty bad what he did. I, so, he, so this guy, uh, he was a, you know, like a, a, an, an S poster, I guess you want to call it, an ish poster. And he had this – it, it was a viral meme that was going around that said – I, I don't necessarily think it's even fair to call it a meme for the most part. I know a lot of people on the right have said that. It was like, vote, you know, vote early and vote by text. Text this number. Avoid you know. the lines. Yeah, avoid the lines. Text this number. And it said, paid for by political candidate so-and-so or whatever. So it was like, you can call it, you can say it was a joke and you can be like, haha, I'm going to share this. So I don't think the guy deserves to go to prison for it. Well, if he was trying to trick people into thinking that they'd voted, that's pretty nasty federally. Absolutely. Yeah, it's crime. Yep. And it said that it was paid for by the candidate. That's, tr- that's hard manipulation. And Trump didn't prosecute the guy. So now five years later. Yes. Now, my well, qu- hold on. There's a bunch of people who did the same thing on the other side. Identical. There's a viral video of a woman putting on a MAGA hat and saying, Trump supporters, go, you know, go here to vote. And it was like totally fake. So the issue is Trump didn't prosecute any of those people. Now that the de- Democrats are in power, they're going after the people who went after them, but not the people who did the same thing. So the scariest thing is going to be the score settling. Right. Yep. They're going to want to settle the score. 
And that means that a lot of people who thought that they were safe and a lot of people who thought that they had gotten away with it may not. Oh, they didn't. No, I mean, it's going to get it's going to be it's going to be chaos. Look, we've got permanent barbed wire fencing around the Capitol right now. The Washington, D.C. is currently under occupation. It is occupied by the National Guard. And I'm not saying that to be bombastic. Literally 5,000 National Guard will be permanently placed there. So, so or I'm sorry, they're saying the green zone will be permanent. I don't know how many troops will be there, but they're saying at least until March, there's going to be 5,000 National Guardsmen. You don't think that, I mean, that is the central part of the Iraqi strategy, the green zone. They've established yeah. the green zone. They're establishing their counterinsurgency network. And pretty soon we're going to start seeing quiet bribes for assassinations in the middle of the night and drone strikes. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit or am I, I don't know. How far are they going to go? People that we know they're rabid. They don't care about reality. They don't care about the constitution. They care about settling scores. They can't even be happy. Mike Cernovich the other day was tweeting out. He's like, where is the jubilation from the Democrats? Yeah, they won. Do you remember what it was like in January of 2017? Holy crap. That's where I met you. Was it the deplorable too? Yeah. Like, dude, the energy was insane. Everybody was ecstatic. There's none of that. None. There's none of that because they're negative, nasty. They're still crying. Yes. They were still, this is the crazy thing. When, when, when Trump won, many, we saw the memes of these people dropping to their knees and crying and screaming and mourning. And the Trump supporters were like, what? They didn't think they were going to win in the first place. So they're laughing and celebrate good times. Come on. All that good stuff. Well, Joe Biden did that one at the, at the, at the, uh, uh, what was it? The, (laughs) the, 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 um, I can't think of the word, the DNC, but uh, at the convention, um, when he was nominated. But after Joe Biden won, they were still crying. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing, like, you mentioned Andrew Sullivan was, like, listening to Biden's speech and started crying. Yeah. And I'm like, they're still crying. It's because they summoned a demon to destroy their enemy, and now the demon's president. He's not a literal demon, but it's but like when n- you use something you hate to destroy something else you hate, you're still going to end up hating it. No, but, but, but they like Biden. What I think happened yeah. is they're infected with a the demoralization virus. mind virus. Yeah. They wanted Trump so out. They didn't they want Biden They can't in. let go of the hate and anger because it's not, it wasn't really about Trump. It was just, they just hate. Yeah. And so what happens now is they're redirecting it towards this nebulous concept of Trumpism, which is meaningless. They're saying now they're going to now they're saying, oh, Trumpism is the problem. And, and it, listen, you're, you're, you, you've, you've got these satellites orbiting this planet. Trump was that planet. That was where all the media and all the narrative and all the hit was orbiting. Now the planet's gone. There's nothing to orbit anymore. And so they're pointing at nothing. Trump so quickly disappeared from public the public spotlight. No social media. Haven't heard a word from the man outside of these vague statements you get from the office of 45 emails he's sending out to people where it's like, here's my response to impeachment. Yet they've still repeatedly done stories. The Daily Beast, this one journalist, I'm not gonna say her name, ran a story saying Trump lost the presidency and Twitter. Guess which one hurt worse? And I'm like, it's been two weeks. Trump, it's been longer than that since Trump's got suspended from Twitter. Okay. Why are you still writing the same story you wrote a month ago? Mm-hmm. They were all saying this. They're, they're going to keep doing it because they just hate. They need something to hate. Trump is the avatar of their hate, but he's gone now. So they just hate. Well, they're going to go after anything and everything that they can. And to me, what you're saying was definitely exemplified by an article that I saw from The Independent today that was titled Outrage as alleged Capitol rioter is permitted vacation to Mexico ahead of trial. And this whole article was doxing this lady who was, again, uh, not convicted of a crime, doesn't have a criminal record. She had a work-related event that she needed to go to Mexico. And a judge said, sure, you could go to that. That's not true. What? Never happened. What do you mean? 
news story broke uh, and we saw a viral trend on Twitter, white privilege. People were saying white privilege is this capital rioter saying that she wants to go on vacation and the judge letting her do it. Never happened. The judge never issued an order saying she was allowed to go on vacation. Ryan Riley of the Huffington Post issued an, an emergency correction saying, everybody, everybody, it never happened. It was a proposal, not an order. And the media didn't fact check. So huh. they ran a and fake story. And then the story. independent media ran with it. And then the, in, independent. the independent, the independent yeah. ran with it. And that's the, that's the information that I got from today. I didn't see their yep. correction. I talked exactly. about it and I read it. I read the full article so, today. This is what happens when you yep. trust the mainstream media, Luke. Yeah, you got me. I'm so caught red-handed. They, uh, they, they all ran this story claiming that, you know, there was a, a one high-profile left-wing commentator showed a picture of a black man at the riot who was denied bail. And he says, I wonder what about this man resulted in him getting denied while this other story is breaking. Hmm. Well, the other story that's breaking is, is fake news. More importantly, this woman is being charged with, I think, two misdemeanors, disorderly conduct yes. and entering, you know, restri- restri- restricted grounds. Apparently, she didn't even go in the building. And so she's getting a misdemeanor charge, which I, I tell you, when, if she, when she goes in there and they're like, did you go on the grounds? I did, Your Honor. And were you being disorderly? Well, I disagree, but I accept the charges. No contest, Your Honor. is going to be like, okay, we're going to give you 20 hours of uh, community service, court supervision, have a nice day. That's the end of it. She's going to go home and then they'll forget, forget it ever happened. And then the mainstream media is going to freak out about that and then also have another rage bait click about this. But m- the larger point that I was trying to make here is why is the independent media, uh, the independent concentrating on this lady? Why, you know, it used to be where the media used to go up against special interest. It used to go against the powers that be. It used to go up against actual people that actually mattered in your life and had an effect on the way you lived your life. They don't do that anymore. It's, it's this lady no. that you have to be outraged about. Look at, look at what happened in Sweden. I don't, I don't know if you know the story, Jack, but, uh, several years ago, you know, I went to Sweden for this last night in Sweden thing. Yep. And one of the biggest stories I discovered was that only a few months prior, one of their biggest newspapers hacked Discus which is this commenting yeah, system comment people system, use yeah. Uh, yeah, on, on various websites, to, to dox anonymous commenters, go to their homes and film them. Knock on the door. When they come out, there's a camera in their face. Why did you say this disparaging comment about you know immigrants or whatever? Some of the comments were innocuous, saying, I think Sweden needs to be, take care of their, their citizens and stop allocating tax funds towards people who don't live here. And they were like, why are you racist? These people got ambushed. The question is, why was a newspaper hacking and doxing people and targeting individuals? News organizations are supposed to be an, an, uh, the necessary component of a of, of a true democratic government or, or true government of the people. They challenge the powers that be. They write the things that people don't want to hear. Instead, they write the thing that the tribalists love to hear as they burn the witch. Yeah. This is witch hunts. They go after people for nasty opinions and they say, this woman, she walked on the Capitol. Now we're seeing like anybody who was even in D.C. is being targeted. <laughs> were you in D.C. while it was going down? You're done. They'll nuke you. They'll ban you. They'll fire you. They'll come after you. There was that that one rapper guy who got dropped from his label simply for listening to Trump speak and then leaving. There's that one uh, army psychological operations officer who went down in a bus with some people, saw Trump speak, and then left. And they are getting they're getting investigated. There, it's it, it's going to get bad, man. I'll tell you. So I have, a, I have a couple of things. I want to throw out a question and make a comment. We'll come back to the question. Maybe do you think that they're going to under prosecute those crimes, the Which, ones at the Capitol? I think it's going to be. That they are going, I think they're going to look in the book and try and take every possible technicality to make it sound worse than it is and give them the highest maximum everything. Maximum penalty. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's a prosecution, but essentially it's still going to be up to the judge. Well, I'll clarify my earlier point about the win and the misdemeanors. A normal person who receives misdemeanor gets a slap on the wrist in court supervision. This, I do believe, will be different because 
Yeah, I mean, some misdemeanors are punishable by like a thousand dollars in a year in jail. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, anything more than a year, I think, becomes felony. Yeah, you know. So, so she she could get up to a year. I don't. Uh, I I think she might, and I think you know. All, what did she do? If you walked past the barrier, they're charging you with a crime for being at the Capitol. That's it. Yeah, two crimes essentially. So she could. I don't, I don't know. I don't think she could. Get, she could get more than a year off misdemeanors. But I think in this case, while these, you know, if you told me that someone was facing a misdemeanor charge and they were given permission to go on vacation, I'd be like, and yeah, right. Wait, if someone's on the Capitol property while it was being broken into, they're getting charged. Not while I was being broken into. They set up barriers, and if you walk past a bar- barrier, you get charged. Oh, because the barriers were set up. Right. It was restricted access. So what's interesting about the media turning its attention away from the establishment and public figures towards individual citizens, this is portending, portending, I think that's the word, predicting the future uh, of our own apparatus, the other big apparatus, the government, turning its attention onto the civilians instead of on the citizens, instead of on the big things that matter. What is it? What is it about our time that's make the individual so dangerous that they have to be squashed by the media, controlled by the government, corralled by a counterinsurgency program within the United States. They always have are they project. are they feeling are they feeling vulnerable? They, they've always had control of the plebs since the beginning times. There's always been an aristocracy. The Greeks. There's always been gods and men, basically, and uh, it's it's sad well, to say. You know, when you had this uh, this 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 government in the, in in London, the king and all that stuff in Parliament. But the colonies were thousands of miles away. The influence was strained to the point where it snapped. Yeah. And they could have listened to the grievances of the colonists, and it probably would have averted the revolution. But look at the Declaration of Independence. They literally say, here are all the things we have tried petitioning and won't be resolved. They're not listening to us. So then they declare independence. All of a sudden, the rabble snapped off the control from the aristocracy and the lords. But you know, you know. But let me just mention: Do you guys know that the House of Lords in the UK literally is just landed gentry and like religious high-ranking individuals? They literally like imagine if our Senate was comprised of just uh, you know super wealthy millionaires who are politically you know had political access and were just essentially you know uh, using corporate money and influence. And connections to get these about political as positions as it gets, man. Wait, well, is, the, it, wait, is not that you're saying now? The, no, no. The <laughs> point I'm making is when you look at the UK and you can see they have a House of Lords, literally the Lords who are making the laws, and then you look at the United States, we just call it by a different name and pretend it's not. Yeah, but it is. Yeah, and, and like when the founding fathers snapped off the rabble and made the US, then they just broke up the rabble into the gods of the rabble and the men. Of, and it's the, true. The men of the rabble. The, the initial, uh, the initial strategy, uh, uh, constitutional plan for senators was that the state legislatures would appoint their senators to the federal senate. That way, they literally said better men would be the ones having these conversations. I, I think about this a lot because humans are animals. I talk about this consistently, and and you know, uneducated people are are essentially wild animals. If if you're born in the woods and you don't aren't socialized properly, you're going to act like a wolf. And so, what are we supposed to herd the the sheep and and have like a group of of shepherds that? lead and control things and is that yes and people are vying to become one of the shepherds look higher hierarchies exist all over nature and for a reason lobsters for a reason yeah jbp and yes yes yes. no but but, but here's here's the issue the answer is yes the problem is meritocracy is the right way people who have earned the respect and earned the right and genuinely care for the flock the problem now is we don't have sheep dogs and sheep we have wolves pretending to be the sheep dogs and then mutilating the sheep. So people that are born into money. Not necessarily. No. 
I mean, AOC wasn't necessarily born into money. I mean, relative to the world she was, and I think to a certain degree, she was like middle class. So she wasn't poor by any stretch of the imagination. But look what she does to empower herself at the expense of others. The capital riots are all about her now, and she'll make up this crazy story and, and ex- embellish and exaggerate to but, gain power. Th- I don't even think she was always like that. I think that power can corrupt you and make you selfish. I mean, we don't know her. You didn't, you didn't know her back then. You didn't see what she was saying back then. So we just don't know. We just see her for, for what she does now. It feels like the system to me that we, the, to me, that the system that we have today specifically selects for people who are selfish, inward thinking, manipulative control freaks. It does yeah. not select for genuine, but, generous, kind, outward loving people. So the issue is, it's just interesting in the old, um, lordships, at least I guess you had a chance of having a certain amount of the lords actually care about being true statesmen and helping their countrymen and and being a good person. The problem is with the the system we've created of election by popular vote, it seems much more likely that the people who will get there are the sociopaths who will claw their way to the top. Whereas if you appoint people by random, you'd have more like you'd more likely get, you know, altruistic individuals. I don't think so, because when you would have landlords and they would pass all, they'd have a child and the child would just be a a groveling idiot. They'd get the entire land and then they'd become the controller. But the landlord's knight, the great noble knight who raised their child to be this phenomenal human would be a commoner to, and serve this idiot. Mathematically, mathematically, if to become a Lord, you must manipulate, lie, cheat and steal to gain political prominence and, and, and to gain attention it is more likely that a good, honorable, noble citizen will not do what needs to be done to win that office. However, if you have a whole bunch of lords, a bunch of them are probably going to be the worst of the worst, but you might at least get one or two where they're like, I'm going to do my best for my people. Now, I'm not an advocate of that system. I'm just pointing out how kind of hilarious it is that we've tried to build this system that would be better for by and of the people. And essentially now, a couple hundred years later, it is just just Maybe it's just term limits. It Maybe comes. we just need term limits. What? But I, I always no. Enjoy, that's not the problem. I always enjoy this discussion where we're like, "What if we just took somebody by lottery yeah. and put them in charge? We would do better." Demarchy. Let's think about this for a second, though. Random people who win the lottery. What is our general sense of how they handle that newfound sense of wealth and power? They blow it. They usually screw it up not real anymore. bad. That's that's how it used to be. Uh, since <laughs> you have the stats, <laughs> I, I've, I've read, a, I read a bit about it actually. Yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, you know, in the late nineties, there were a lot of shows that came out talking about people who blew their lottery winnings and how more money, more problems and their family started hating them. And then the money ran out and they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't even know where to put it. Well, once those stories started coming out, people in the past couple of decades have consulted wealth management firms and have done a very good job of managing good. the new lottery winnings. Yeah. And there was one story I read where a guy won like a hundred something million dollars or, so, or something like that. Maybe it was like 70. And then he set aside how much he needed based on wealth management advice to put away to be retired and be wealthy for the rest of his life. And then he started writing checks to people who asked. People would send him letters saying, any money for this? And he'd be like, the internet has been kind of a great equalizer when it comes to education and controlling money is a, is an acquired ability. So that's kind of nice. But the, the idea of demarchy isn't that we would create a government of only randomly chosen people. It's that you would have multiple layers, much like we do now with the Senate, with, with the representatives. And then maybe what we need is a fourth branch, which would be the demarchic. Yeah, the national or, initiative. Have you guys studied this? Mike Gravel was trying to push this through yeah. in like 2004. It would create a fourth branch of government that would allow every state to add a representative to this, this 
national initiative branch of government that would be people, just common people that could then pass right and pass laws. But it would, it would have to be demarchic. It would have to be that one day you walk to your mailbox and you're like, I got chosen. Like jury duty. Yeah. Exactly. And it would be for like a month. And then they would set you up. It would be a, you'd be accommodated. You'd be compensated. And there would have to be protections where you can't get fired from your job if you are selected for. I know, would love to start pushing duty. something like this because the national initiative is not going to get passed by Congress, according to Mike Ravel. And it would be something that the citizens would have to pass. 51% of us would have to come together and make this happen by what is that called when you get people just to do something by decree, basically the, the mass majority. It's not, it's not, it's not a grand solution though. A bunch of. You know, if, if you took a random person, they're going to if we brought a random person in this random. room right now, the way it's well, built, I'm, it's I'm, not I'm random. talking about Demarchy. That's what we were talking about. If you brought a random person out and asked them about any of this, they would have I, no I wouldn't idea. want a random person. Well, so I don't know what you're talking about. We were literally about the we're, talking about. We're, we're talking about we, we're, we're having a conversation. This has been thought of before tonight. Ian, it's called the National Ian, Initiative. You're not having the same conversation as we are. You're talking about putting random people in charge. It's insane. Ian, please, please. Okay. Jack tell Mur me how it's great. Jack Murphy brought up Demarchy. And then you brought up a fourth branch of government. A, a demarchic branch of government in think, response to what Jack Murphy just, is talking about. I don't about. think random people is the right way to do it. So but. that's that's the conversation. I don't know if Jack, you wanted to, you're making a comment about demarchy. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We trust a jury of twelve to decide life or death on a random basis. Well, we don't trust a judge you to make be a case. random guy. You make the case. You got to go to school to be a judge. You got to, which know is why doing. there's multiple branches have a jury. of government. Yeah, the jury. Yeah, right. the, you don't have jury. one juror. You have a group of juries that right. basically, and the judge can overturn the jury. No, they can't. They can overturn the jury or they can give instructions. Wait, in so yes, they can. No. You just said, no, they can't. They can. I was actually saying a sentence, Ian. Or they can give instructions. Yeah. I said they can overrule the jury or give instructions in certain circumstances. But you jumped in before I finished the sentence. What's the circumstance that they couldn't? If the jury comes out and says, we find the defendant not guilty, the judge says, well, so be it. It was a jury trial. He doesn't then go, no, I, re I reject. Now, there are certain circumstances where judges have actually done this, and it results in crazy constitutional crises and lawsuits where judges have been like, I don't care what the jury said. Lock him up. Contempt of court. Yeah, legally, they're allowed to do that. They're not. They, That's they, what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to keep the, ju the jury in check, basically. By giving instructions like disregard that, that's against the rules. Not by I'm shutting the jury down because they ruled in a way I don't like. They're not. It's it's very dictatorial to do. The, the like idea that, is, what if instead of you know when, when people run for Congress, they need a ton of money. It's very difficult. They need popularity. AOC manages this by being bombastic and being a sensational character. She raises millions of dollars across the nation and. To be completely honest, there are a lot of politicians who raise money outside of this country, which is illegal, and they do it through nonprofits and circuitous means. But AOC is not doing that. I'm not saying she does. But she, she raises money all over the country for her one district because she's prominent. That makes it impossible for someone to run against her because of her profile. So you have the Senate, which is mostly millionaires. I'm pretty sure they're all millionaires. I think they all are. Not no, Actually, no, I think there's a few that make like half, that are worth like half a million dollars. But it's very difficult to win a state to be a senator. To work to run in Congress, it's not as hard because you're in a smaller area. It's easier to go around and talk to people, but you still need a ton of money. So the idea of demarchy, just as you know, Jack was bringing up, not as a necessarily good thing because you were critical of it and people how they spend their money in the lottery, would be the idea that we would try and take random, regular people without the restrictions of not having enough money or not being a political insider and giving them a chance to sit down, go over the, these bills for a short period of time, and then weigh in on it. Regular people, not special political elites who are allowed to bear arms when we're not, 
not people who have connections to big industry or massive Twitter prof- profiles where they can fundraise off of a regular guy who is, 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 you know, he's a tradesman of some sort or a woman who's a homemaker for that, for that matter, or a businesswoman finally now going to the table and, 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 you know, once in a while having kind of jury duty like system. But like, like truly random, like anyone could be. Within yeah. like a certain age range, like, like older than over. 18, it would be like jury duty. You, 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 what if you get you like get... some like a bunch of mentally d- unstable people, though, and? that don't want to be there? Are they human beings? Yeah. Do they have rights? Yeah. Can they vote? Yeah. Well, there you go. But I don't think I want them passing laws. It wouldn't be like 10 people. It would be like 500 yeah. or 1,000 so, so, Ian, you've already begun to reestablish the hierarchy. Yeah. Some people, I mean, yeah. I'm honest. IQ is a thing. And there's, yeah. we measure that kind of ability to, to calculate and to think. Look, hierarchies are good, but the only way they work is if it works for everyone involved in the hierarchy. That's why when you lead, you have to be a servant. You have to be a servant leader. You have to be, how can I help the people that I'm leading? How can I help the people that are following me? And I take the same approach on my Twitter profile, on my Twitter page. I'm like, guys, get out of Washington, D.C. Nothing bad is going to happen right now. Please stay in the, please stay in the suburbs. Don't come to the city. Don't do this. Maybe, I'm trying to help people. I'm maybe Demarchy is the way to go. If or it's temporary. Just, a, just another branch. It's like you get a month. It's like a jury duty, or maybe even a couple of weeks. And what happens is you have a thousand, maybe even 3,000 people are randomly chosen once a month. And then their travel is paid for. They come to, a, a, you know, this big, you know, auditorium like room where they're given a packet of information to read through and then cast their votes on certain issues. And it's just another layer that provides regular people the chance to come and have their voice heard. And then their their vote, votes were all public and they go back, you know, a month later and people who live near them know what they voted for. And they say, you voted to take my money with that tax increase. Are you nuts? And so then people are concerned. Am I going to defy the will of my neighbors by voting for the special interests? No way. I'm only here for a month. It's not, and, and, and maybe not even a month. Maybe it's like for specific votes. I don't exactly know if it's a good idea or I'm saying I'm not saying it will work. I'm saying it's an interesting well, there's concept. There's something good about term limits. That's for sure. Because you it's, know you're not there to, to win people's favor and stay in office. You're just there to do the job. It's, it, there, there's still a lot of arguments for and against term limits. It's, it, you know, I think this, the, the problems we face are not so easily solved. And it's interesting. You know, I was having this conversation the other day. I can't remember what movie we were watching. It was about something about air conditioning. And I was just like, isn't it crazy that like, there's a lot of people who have a general concept of how air conditioning works? And if they went back hundreds of years, they could describe it to someone and probably make some kind of rudimentary air conditioner of some sort. Maybe not hundreds of years. You'd still need some kind of electricity or some kind of, you know, pressurization system. But as just a layman right now, as some random person, you can be like, I know how to make a bow and arrow. I know the general concept. Whereas at a certain point, it took like some genius guy hard work and 10 years to be like, I finally figured out how to make a, a compound bow. But now we just take all this information for granted. We just know these things. So anyway, I I digress. It's just I find it fascinating that we actually know so much about so many different things. And then I don't know if the solution is going to be demarchy. It's just an interesting concept we're bringing up. What I'm trying to say is the solution may be simple in 100 years. But right now we are fighting as hard as possible to figure out what that methodology or technology will be. Is the United States government in a necessarily uh, more precarious or nefarious or dangerous circumstance than it has been at any other time in its history? I think the answer is yes. This is the most critical, crucial. Uh, I didn't say uh, the most. Oh, that, that was that was is that what you were, yeah, that was my question. Yeah, or like, wh- is this just the natural state of our republic? That's what I'm really getting at. I think, as we've heard from many scholars, there has not been a tumultuous time like this save the civil war 
Yeah, that. World War One was pretty rough, I think. Well, we're, we're all, we're, we, we heard it was with Putin, I think, said what the world is going through right now is much like pre-World War II. Yeah, he said that a few days ago. And we have to understand on a historical context, having things like the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, they are extremely rare circumstances where people are able to have these amazing God-given rights that usually, typically, all throughout history are, are usually taken away from them because of big government. So the the fact that these important freedoms are under threat right now is something that should be concerning everyone. I think it's also interesting to consider the context, uh, the context that our government in is in, that we're all in, in 2021. I mean, it's novel every year because things always change, but this is radically different with the technology, social media communications, the, the, the complete just flattening of the globe, etc. Uh, this is a novel laboratory in which to test the Republic. I'm feeling desperate. Like I snapped to anger 10 minutes ago because I'm feeling this is like freaking me out. This is like, if people are getting arrested, it's not, it, it, it's not a joke. You know, this is, if it's really like pre-world world war two, that's terrifying, man. We're the, we're gonna, we're gonna, look, people, uh, I think this is actually funny, but people are comparing January 6th to the burning of the Reichstag. Like this is their, this is their pretext for the Enabling Act. And this is what, he, was it, was, it wasn't the Enabling Act though, was it? Was yeah. the burning of the Reichstag with the Enabling yeah. Act? The, the Hitler, Hitler used so. yeah. the burning, the, so the Reichstag burned down the capital of the German parliament and then Hitler blamed it on the communists and yeah. then they, he used that as, as like pretext to declare the Enabling Act, take everyone's weapons, disarm the population. I, I had a tweet earlier today on this subject. Um, where, where's the best place for a forever war, but at home? It's easy. Where is it's it? here. It's right here. I'm saying forever war. Yeah. In America, we love forever wars. Oh, right. The best place Bring for a forever home. war is right here at home. You don't have to travel. You don't have to send people abroad. You got the addresses yeah. and social security numbers of everybody that you want to prosecute and terrorize. Forever war at home. And especially if it's combined with the long night of tyranny from the corporate techno fascism that we are now under, if they get the AI and they get everything that they want, it could be a switch yeah. that is flipped that cannot be unturned. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, you're very positive. Smash the like button. <laughs> Subscribe to the notification bell. Smash that like button. We're going to take your super chats, but my friends, just wait. We are going to have a bonus segment, yes. an exclusive members only segment of the show that appears on timcast.com for those who are paying members. This is our way of offering up two different kinds of the same business. You get your free content here. You can super chat if you'd like. We'll read your super chats or you can watch the YouTube videos for free. And then we have the stuff that if you're a paying member, you get ad free, just exclusive member only content. And it's like, what did Jack just talk about? Techno fascism? Yeah. I'd like to at least have some kind of backup plan. And you guys who are members are essentially our shield, our safety net in the event we get banned on, you know, whatever podcast platform or YouTube. We'll have that for, for however long that lasts until they start pulling web services and stuff like that. So that being said, I've been down on timcast.com and I got to say, it's a good website. Nice and easy. Sign so up. There's a lot of great content on there. There's going to be us on there cussing up a storm in just a cussing few minutes. Cussing up a storm. It's going to be wonderful. Because man, holding it in this whole time has been, <laughs> yeah. very, it's been very hard. Jack's turning red. It's been very hard. You saw me. I was like, they've just. He almost yeah. said it. Yeah. yeah. I almost said it. I almost said it. Let's read some of these super chats. All right. We got. 
Uh, I'm not your buddy guy says not really important or related, but I just got into this show called The Expanse on Amazon Prime. You got to check it out. I tried, dude. Everybody says it's amazing. I tried the first two episodes and I was just like, this is boring as paint. Really? I thought it was great. What's the synopsis? I I just I'm not big on TV shows as it is. Did you did you go through the I watched like I think like the first season, I think. Man, maybe I'm going to give a shot. I don't know. Like I watched half of The Mandalorian and I was enjoying it, but I just don't watch TV. Oh, dude. Mandalorian got real good. You the, got the, the se- second season? The second half of the second season was like sensational. Really? Goosebumps changed my whole like childhood oh, arc in my mind. I don't want to give too much away, but they, they did write a new Star Wars chapter at the end of that with some very important characters, if you want to watch it. I think they've just beaten Star Wars like a dead horse, just like just beating it over and over again. I, I agree, but I think Mandalorian <laughs> is very, very well done. And it's the same guy that did, uh, you know, the um, Avengers stuff. Yes, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I liked it. I liked the first season. Yeah. The, I, I, the expanse of that was cool. It's like basically, you know what it's about, Ian? No. They, like humans have colonized Mars and the asteroid belt. And, you know, I, th- I think the moons of like Jupiter or Saturn or something. And so the people who live in the, in the belt are all like really tall and lanky and like frail because there's no gravity. And then Mars like broke away and became their own government. They declared independence. And now it's a very militarized society because it was the military colony that declared independence. So it's like, yeah, I thought it was a cool show. Well, you, you know, a show that I, I, everybody also loved that I tried that I absolutely hated, Cobra Kai. Why did people tell me that this was going to be a <gasps> good show? You didn't like Cobra Kai? Oh my God, the first one was gonna... so bad. What? I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I'm not going to pretend like it was the greatest. It's meant to be campy? Yeah. It's meant to be it's, super it's, campy? It's, it's, it's <laughs> mocking Karate Kid. It's supposed to be like silly. It's mocking its own origin story. Yes. Do you know how this mo- the show came to be? N- no, but I mean, there it's was the a, same characters. There was, and a, every, same there was a viral meme explaining how the Karate Kid was the bad guy. It was like this viral video or something where they were like, think about it. And it was someone justifying how the bad guy was actually the good guy. Like, you're some dude yeah, who's yeah. been training your whole life. And yeah. like, this kid comes and does an illegal kick. And then they incorporated that actually as the pretext for the show Cobra Kai. Yeah. And I thought it was fun. Huh. I haven't watched second season or anything like that. But like we got to read more super chats. I'm just talking about our TV shows that we like. <laughs> oh, I thought. Sure, Let's see. Uh, Yugi <laughs> says, questions, huh? "Hello, Tim and Cass. I love your show, but I am going to shamelessly plug my game that's on Ooh. Steam. Defend your buttress. <laughs> also, my Patreon, Yugi J0319. Defend my buttress. I love it. There you go. <laughs> I'm Den Man Fight says, "F in the chat for the boys who missed the Gorillionaire train buying stonks. Ew. Stay awesome, IRL crew. I'm not entirely sure the whole thing's over. We'll see." Cody Emmon says, did you all see Tucker Carlson was on Dancing with the Stars to appreciate all of your work for everyone? Wait, he, he, he was? He was? What? I didn't see that. Come on, I don't know about that. Move it. Apache Shepherd says, would you kindly read this super chat? Oh. I felt compelled to do that for oh, some reason. I don't understand. You. Persuasion. Do you, no, do you know what the reference is? Oh, no. Uh, Bioshock. Oh, okay. Yeah, the first game, you, you, you got to play Bioshock. Yeah, I, hear I, great I played things. the original, yeah. If it's like, it's, 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 it, they used Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged. Oh, as kind of like an artistic pretext beautiful. and like ideological. Beautiful. beautiful but uh, spoiler alert for this, like what, 20 something year old game. <laughs> the, whenever someone says to the main character, would you kindly? He's compelled to do it. Oh, uh, yeah. Really? So it's like he's being manipulated. It's Got dude. It. Bioshock is awesome. And then Bioshock 2 is OK. Bioshock Infinite is pretty good. But Bioshock 1 is awesome. Bioshock is great. Good game. Now we're talking about video games and TV shows. Yeah. Great. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got here. Petty says, reminder that Cuomo killed more people than 9-11, and that the first shots fired at Fort Sumter were fired by a tax ship. Also, Biden's amnesty plan is tantamount to slavery. Hmm. Yeah, what's, what's his amnesty plan? I got to read into it. Don't know. Student of History says, happy to know 
that uh, happy to ha- happy to know that now they're agreeing with Hitler's opinion that Slavs aren't white. Now I'm waiting for the answers on the Mediterranean race. Spanish and Italians clarifying this is a joke. Good Lord. <laughs> well, we now have, uh, uh, you know, for, for a while, this show was 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 led by a minority. But then I found out that Asian people were white, so I'm actually double white, which makes me more white than both Jack and and, and Ian and Lydia. But now that Luke's a person of color, uh, we're good. We're good. We're, we have diversity back on the show. You know, this is a serious question, actually. I have a chapter in my book called What is White Anyway? And Democrat and deplorable. What is white anyway? That's a real question. And when did everybody become all white and why? Yeah. Well, so this is actually one of the progressives talking points that white wasn't always Italian. And of course it was, not. Right, right. And, and, and then it changes. And so that's why they say whiteness isn't about the color of your skin. It's about a social construct of the, the majority controlling or oppressive class. That's how they kind of deviated or whatever. I see. Yeah, whatever. Sounds legit. All right. Jay, Jay says, <laughs> just got to ask, are you guys going to talk about the real controversies like the farmer revolt going on in India right now? I've been looking into it. I just don't know enough about what's going on with, with India. I know that they're going to, they want to ban cryptocurrency too, but there's like a farmer revolt. So like some, wow. some big news. Yeah. Some things I just, if I don't know enough about, we don't, we don't get into. Block 47 says, I've heard several different explanations of what QAnon is. Every source seems to have their own take and I can't seem to make full sense of it. What is QAnon and what do they believe? Yeesh. What QAnon believes is not a thing you can pin down. Yeah, or like, who or what it is right. either. It yeah. seems like it was co-opted. Like it's some, maybe someone in intelligence started it off and then started of- with 4chan. Was it 8chan or 4chan posts? Was it 8chan? I think it was 8chan posts where someone saying Q and then asking these questions. And then the narrative emerged. This individual had Q clearance, which my understanding is not a real thing, but it was supposed to be like high level clearance. And they were secretly working with Trump to go after Hillary. I, I, I didn't know too much about it for a long time. And I kind of just disregarded it because it was like kind of fringe. But then once it started to become more prominent with the media and asking Trump, you know, I, I looked up more about it and started reading more about it. And it's just, it's just un, un, it's ridiculous. I, I've got some people who keep saying over and over again that like, tomorrow's the day Trump's going to pull it off. Tomorrow's the day. And I'm like, dude, Trump's not the president. He's gone. Trust the plan. And, and now they're saying March is the real inauguration date because America was incorporated. And it's like, did you read the history of how they changed the date of inauguration and all this stuff? It's like, dude. QAnon is squarely anti-Trump, squarely anti-MAGA. It siphoned off positive MAGA energy into a destructive downward spiral that led to January 6th and now will usher in the tyranny yep. of the 21st century. So thank you, QAnon. There we go. Thanks a lot. Mark Hicks says, a shout out to for Congressman Devin Nunes. He exposed the Russia hoax and the criminals responsible. Those responsible have been punished with... One instance of probation for falsifying documents submitted to the FISA court. Uh-huh. There you go. Count Ludwig says, I am looking to invest in crypto, but I have limited understanding of them. What's the favorite cryptocurrency of Tim and all his co-hosts and guests who are invested in cryptos and why? I cannot give you financial advice. <laughs> and I am uh, I'm a moron. Don't listen to me. That being said, I was told by Bill Ottman of, of Mines. Friend, a good friend of Ian, they co-founded Minds together, who was on the show. And he said Ethereum, I think he said it on the show, I don't know if he did, Ethereum was undervalued. And I said, I'm going to buy some then. I bought Ethereum and now it's at $1,600. All-time high. So at the time when Bill said to buy, it was at 1000 And that's at an all-time high. It may have gone down a little bit, but let me tell you something. Bitcoin is a store of value. First in, best dressed. That's how we explain Bitcoin. It was the first crypto it was the most, it is, and it is, and now, 
has always been the most prominent crypto. So it has been the go-to choice for people who wanted to hold a digital asset that cannot be copied. However, what can Bitcoin really do? It does have some technology behind it. It can execute some kind of smart smart contracts, but it's fairly rudimentary. Ethereum, in my opinion, should be worth more than Bitcoin. You know why? We'll use mines, for example. Mines offers tokens. The tokens are ER, uh, ERC-20 ERC tokens, right? So that means they're basically tokens that exist within Ethereum. Well, within the Ethereum blockchain. Yes. The Ethereum blockchain is different than the Ethereum token. And the Ethereum token exists on an ERC-20 blockchain. So the, the general idea is Ethereum actually is a component of many businesses, many, many businesses, and it is required for them to continue functioning uh, if, they, if they're using the Ethereum blockchain. Bitcoin isn't being used by businesses except for a store of value. And that's because it's actually cheaper to trade Ethereum than to trade Bitcoin. That's a big part of it. So I'll tell you this. I think Ethereum is going to eventually be worth way, way more. Yeah, it was um, when in the early days when Bitcoin was $20,000, I think Ethereum was like 12. So if you look at that ratio, now you're looking at Bitcoin at 37. It's almost double. Ethereum has not doubled 12 yet, and it probably maybe, will. Maybe one way to look at it is that uh, Bitcoin is gold. They say it's digital gold, right? So you can hold it, and it's very valuable, and it will continue to be valuable, and probably will always be particularly valuable. But Ethereum is more like a material that you need for your for your business, maybe like copper wiring or something. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's a metal, and Reforged. you it's- you need it to actually run your business. So people can start buying way more Ethereum and using Ethereum way more because it's a it's a it's an infrastructure asset for your, for your company. What do you? I kind of I agree with you. Ethereum's my top one right now. I also like Polkadot. It's not um, right now. It's not considered a security, so it's not traded in the United States. But it allows interoperability between blockchains, so it'll allow for That's like big. ERC. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, and it's like the fourth most valuable one right now in the world. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about? Where are you guys at? Uh, not financial advice. I'm really, really stupid. Uh, but I see a lot of promise and a lot of talk about Monero and its capabilities that a lot of people are flocking to. So because it says it doesn't publicly track what you what you trade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's move on. Lydia was, loves Bitcoin, by the way, and cryptocurrencies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Did you have something to say, Jack? No, I really oh. don't. I can't add to this conversation at all. I started buying Bitcoin first in 2011. Lucky. That's I don't know anything right. else about it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Bwee says, what's up from Oklahoma? The truth tastes good. Thank you guys for what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, we try, right? Azazel the Fallen says, AOC is a sociopath in the same vein as Hillary. Remember her story about sniper fire? I'm not being facetious. She is literally a sociopath. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I said the same thing, so. Yeah. Mr. Hunt, first name Michael, mm-hmm. says, we are in an information war. They lie, cheat, and steal. We must fight back. The truth matters. And if it's an information war, then you win by bringing out good information. Control your personal narrative. Correct. Vince Stark says AOC is the inverse of Trump. She has a fan base. She has a populist agenda. And she uses social media to fire per base. AOC is not based. She's a leftist populist shill. Interesting. Sir Patrick the Great says, you guys gather the best. I used to be way far right. But as I got older, I realized who cares. <laughs> but for real, I'm libertarian with a right poll. Y'all stay safe and much love from Texas. Appreciate it. Dalimar says, you wonder why the cop might have been pissed. He got sent there to collect her because she wasn't doing the protocol, answering text calls, and I'll bet the staff played games with him at the door. 
There it is. Is that confirmed? Is that why? She mentioned that she didn't go to the extraction point because she was scared of the other Congress people. So then they call this. That's why he was angry. Yep. AOC is not following protocol. She's not going to the extraction location. Can you go and get her? And then he's like, there's a riot going on. People are freaking out. And she's not following protocol. Come on, lady. Let's go. I'm going to get in trouble. You're going to get us killed. Yeah. Dude, I have been. Oh, man. Do you want to you want to know what anger feels like? I've done not not only. Have I done hostile environment training? Okay. I think it was silly because I grew up on the South side of Chicago. I don't need training for that. I lived it. But I have been in, say, Ferguson's a good example. I'm in Ferguson. Gunshots ring out. I hit the deck. I look to my right. My, my filmer producer who's with me hits the ground before. I, I look to my right. He's already on the ground. I'm like, good, good man. I look to my left and there's this journalist for one company going, looking around, just lose fireworks. And I'm like, oh. Well, look, you know what? I wasn't working with the guy, so I'm not really all that frustrated, but I am just kind of like, dude, are you insane? You have no idea what you're doing. You are going to get yourself killed. And there was another moment where I was in a particular situation and someone I was working with and gunshots rang out and I hit the deck along with literally everyone else around us. But this one person that was sent to work with me was standing around camera, uh, you know, filming, just being like, it's fireworks. And I'm like, OK, now you are going to get me killed. So I can understand why that cop was probably mad. Yeah, It's like, I'm going to have to now risk my neck running into this building because she wouldn't get out when she was told to. And then she changed the story. Why wouldn't the cop tell us? Okay, sure. I'm sure she has a reputation, too. Yep. Yep. She hates cops. She she rags on them. She supports the riots. And he's like, I got to go. This is nuts. West, uh, let's see. Westside Power Sports Sea-Doo, uh, Parts says, hey, Tim, the videos behind the paywall are pure gold. The way you use your F-bombs is so poetic. I peed myself a little when Ian was talking about his current dating situation. Absolutely epic. Dude. Apparently some ladies. Dating uh, during COVID's a pain. That's the brief. (laughs) Yeah. uh, For those that aren't familiar, if you go to TimCast.com and check out our members-only content, Ian basically broke down and was like, COVID has made it impossible to date. Yes. And then Luke was like, are there any ladies out there? Luke's got my I'm back. Cupid. <laughs> I'm literally Cupid. He's been keeping tabs. We're, we're working the system. All right. Worm I've says, too much. take the stimulus cash and stay gold, gang. We the people will jettison you a, into a billion dollar empire to join the ranks of Elon Musk and based individualist bad A's of the people. More power to you. Yeah, I think that's true. I, and I want to really decentralize the Internet. I think that's kind of the direction we're heading. It's pretty exciting. Did we talk about, oh, we didn't talk about this live, so I'll keep it relatively vague. The general idea that I had was to, instead of trying to create a new social network that's like some kind of Patreon system, it's about creating a white label software that anyone, I think I talked about this on the show last week or something, a white label software that's open source that anybody could just install on their server and then drag and drop some logos and then have their own version of Patreon that they control with their own merchant account. People sign up, but... They could, these, these, this software can connect and network to anyone else using the software. So if someone says, I demand that you ban this person, hey man, they're running their own server and their own node. I can't mm-hmm. control that, but it does connect with my node so people can cross comment. Yeah. There's a program called Riot, which is, uh, use the matrix protocol. And it looks like that might be the future of mes- decentralized messaging. It's kind of like Discord, but an open source version of it. Imagine like Patreon though, with subscribers, free and paid. 
And then if like you go to like Ian's, you know, Ian's world, whatever, and then you're like watching Ian talk about, you know, DMT and time and whatever, you can also <laughs> click the community tab and it'll show you the community of all of the, the noted networks that are popping up. We're also they're individually controlled, not by anyone. Ian has no control over them. Building an AI that can like watch video and tell you like, uh, like you take a picture of this gorilla and then it'll search all the videos on the network and find like, what is this gorilla? I'll tell you about it, like kind of like a wiki, but through video. All right, let's see what we got. Let's do another super chat. Pops Vindaloo says, Luke, thinking about starting the RV life. Any suggestions on where to look for an affordable RV? Um, usually different marketplaces. I, I, I really, really don't like Facebook, but they have a marketplace. Uh, Craigslist is also really good. Being able to do research on your RV, what you specifically need is crucially important. There's a lot of lemons out there. There's a lot of water damage out there you got to be careful of. And it really took me a long time to make sure I got something good. I got a good deal on it. And uh, a lot of the dealerships, you know, a lot of the big ones, they're just like car dealerships. So you know what you're getting yourself into when you're dealing with car dealerships. But uh, just keep an eye out. Look at marketplaces. Look at individual sales. Those usually are the best ones. Greg McCormick says, Tim, Rashida Tlaib only opposed spending bill because money was being sent to Israel. She has she has <laughs> been consistently anti-Semitic. This, this wasn't a coincidence. Peace. Love the show. Yeah. Well, I hear you. I do. Um, it's an issue of... AOC's support for the corporate establishment machine, just blindly voting for Pelosi, blindly supporting these bills. And I can absolutely disagree with Rashida Tlaib. But that's the point I was making. I really do disagree with her on basically everything. But I, 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 the way I framed it was, I think AOC is lying. And I think Rashida Tlaib genuinely believes the thing she's saying. And that's the difference. So not someone I would vote for, but I understand, like, I, I think she's actually believes this stuff. I don't think AOC believes what she's saying. She, she When she first got elected, she changed her opinions on a bunch of things and got criticized by the left for it. You can respect authenticity. Exactly. Even if you don't agree. Even if you think it's wrong and bad. Yeah, I like authentic. All right. Gabriel, Gabriel Nestor says, Tim, I'm a history teacher in California. Needless to say, I'm looking for different things. I'm 29. You inspired me to make a mini YouTube documentary on hyperbole in the media. Super excited to release. Cool. cool. Glad to hear it. Congratulations. Good luck with that, dude. United We Stand says, please contact your house rep about HR 127. Stand up for our rights, right to bear arms, right to privacy. Join Tim's website. That, that last one was really great. Sensational. <laughs> yeah, but HR 127 is, is insane. I don't think it'll pass. Are you familiar with this? I am not. It basically says you can't buy a gun, a gun, a gun unless you're 21. You got to get liability insurance. You got to get licensed by the attorney general. It's like a whole bunch of crazy mandatory stuff. psych evaluations, banning fifty BMGs. Like. Every every gun is registered and taxed, so it's like it's hardcore, but it's unconstitutional in a very obvious way. The problem is, keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yet many places have already violated that, and there's no there's no no one's going to like nothing's being done about it. So don't underestimate it. Make sure you speak out against these things. You know, I think it's 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 a pretty extreme bill. Javi J says, question, I am a Slovak Jewish Japanese Mexican. Does that make me neutral on the oppression scale? I am so confused. Oh, no, no, no. You're super oppressed. The Asian kind of negates it a little bit, but, you know, you're you're more oppressed than you are an oppressor. The Asian so. makes you more white, though, so I, I yeah. think you're still technically white. And you know where the word Slav comes from? Slave. Well, the slave. Yeah, yeah. The they were the slaves. Yeah. Is that it? I think that's it? where the word slave comes from. I, won't I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. yeah, it's the other way around. Like Slaves. slave comes from the word Slavic. From the word Slav. Isn't there that yeah. crazy? So many of them. Yep. You're not a crazy. slave, Luke. 
That would be You're impressed. a free man. How dare you pay, How dare you insult my people? <laughs> oh, that was a double negative. What have I done? <laughs> All right, here we go. Christoph West, Westrum says, keep it the great work, Tim. Ian, be my shaman. I want to try Ooh. DMT. I am a gorilla Yankee in the holler on YouTube. Just started. Don't judge me yet. Harumph. Very cool. I will say I go. saw the uh, prototype of the new shirt coming out. I posted an image on, on um, Instagram, but that is not the image on the shirt. And I'll send it to you. It's, it's, a, it's yeah, someone else. It. Built it. It. It's very cool. Our but, designer was like, Ian doesn't like my design. No, I, I love her design. And yeah. It's very cool. Ian you floating. Talk about shamanism. And it says yeah. free the code. Cool. I'm going to get one immediately. Yeah. K, uh, KT Rouge says, please try to get Dave Chappelle, please. <laughs> yes. I will, uh, I'll go outside as soon as the show, oh, show's over and wait for a shooting star yes. to wish that Dave Chappelle <laughs> Dude, will come on this show. I love that Dave and Joe and Elon are all friends, hanging out in Austin. I don't I think Dave lives in Austin. Rogan, Joe Rogan and Elon Musk yeah. is what I'm talking about. And um, there's like pictures of them at the comedy club hanging out. Yeah. I love that they're all friends now. They're doing a tour. Or they're doing, oh, yeah. they're doing shows together, yeah. Chappelle and Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'd have loved uh, Dave is... Uh, I think it's fair to say the greatest comedian of our generation. Hundred yeah. percent from from my hometown, from my neighborhood. Went to high school with people that I know. He came up in the DC comedy clubs. Like he's a DC product. He's he's smart, funny, hysterical, an amazing storyteller. He makes the craft look effortless. I love that guy. And I, I really loved the Netflix special because he did a whole bunch of really offensive things. Oh, yeah. He did the 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 like the old school offensive Chinese stereotype thing, and. Uh, it was it, it it was like it was bold. It was meant to trigger. It was he was he was literally trying to trigger sense like people's like you know PC sensibilities, and I respect him for doing it. And I'm part Asian. I thought it was fantastic. He, I, ma- I he makes the rounds though. He doesn't just stop on one. And if you, if you right. get everybody, then it's okay. Like South Park. His bit on the kung flu was really good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> Trump's not supposed to be funny. He's <laughs> not supposed to do that. The kung flu. <laughs> Oh no, it's offensive. I'm a, am I allowed to say these things because I'm part Asian? There's yes. a, there was a funny video. It's from College Humor, and there's a panel of full Asian, half Asian, and quarter Asian judging people who are part Asian on what they're allowed to do or not do. Wow! And it was really really funny. So it's like you know this, this guy comes up and he's like, I'm one eighth Asian. Am I allowed to use chopsticks to eat my food? And then they like the panel discusses. It's just a really it's, you got you got to watch it. It's funny. Then there's like. At the end, a guy walks in who's like white and he goes, my great, great grandfather was black. And all of the ju- judges go, you're black. So it was like, <laughs> but it was, it was college humor. It was a really funny because it, it is a funny take on, you know, the, the PC politics of like when you're part Asian, what constitutes actually having the right to make offensive jokes or whatever. What T- Tim, uh, I'll allow it. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> but we're not the same race. So you're not allowed to make fun of Asian. No, no, people. no, no. But, but I'm a, you know, person of color. Yeah. You're, you're not. You're like That's white now. Insane. So no yeah. joke. What yes. the heck just happened? I know. What the heck? You know what? Interestingly, though, it is a good point. Are, are you mad that, no, no. that my no, people like are that finally one. getting justice from no. all the horrible servitude, all oh, the just... horrible barriers that are in front of the Polish people, the Nazis, the communists? Don't make me go off it's here out. about the plight of the Polish people you, you and what we have to go here. Much and you're mad. Ottomans. And you're mad that we're finally getting our reparations. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm happy. happy. Let me tell you some story. I have a Ukrainian friend, and uh, she was telling me that's really, really difficult to come to the United States. And she's a feminist leftist in Ukraine. And so I try explaining to her what's going on with critical race theory in American culture and feminism. And she's confused. She says, like, you know, I, I have friends who say that you are far right. And I was like, you've known me for how many years? Is that true? And she goes, no, it makes no sense. And I was like, let me explain to you, like, American feminism. And so when we started talking about, you know, she wants to come to the United States, but it's very difficult. I said, well, have you tried explaining to them that you are white? And she, she laughed and said, my white privilege ends at the cover of my passport. 
Ukraine. You're not, you don't have privilege. So, so is, is Ukrainian Slavic? It is. Yeah. 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 So it's an interesting point. Like I, I always bring it up to people when I'm like, if you think there's white privilege, let me, let me, let me pay for your flight to, to the Ukraine, you know, or I shouldn't say the Ukraine, it's just Ukraine now, but let me, let me pay for your flight and you can go hang out there. Some of these people make a hundred dollars a month. Like the, I think the average income, the general, like the average salary for middle, like middle-class people is like 400 bucks a month. Not privileged. All right, let's read. Uh, uh, we got Adam Davidson saying, Tim, on Seth Rogen note, check out his hilarious interaction with the great Gad Sad. Hashtag toasters. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Joey J.K. Pitt says, your cab ride story reminds me of multiple times with my job dealing with customer service. I tell work- tow workers to kill them with kindness. Yeah. And Aniel Reed says, I love you, Ian. I love when you all talk metaphysics and the occult. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, well, thank you. So, oh, my God, this is awesome, says Ian is science. Well, here we go. That's a little extreme. Go. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go <laughs> that much. far. Wendy Gusset says, in a, naked bake, in a naked baked bean wrestling match between Ian and Tim, who do, who, uh, who do the team think would win and why? Well, what are the baked What are the, what are the rules? What of are the, the baked beans? Beans? Black beans? Are we talking? Yeah. 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 I have long fingernails. <laughs> Tim doesn't have Toenails. hair to pull. I don't know. <laughs> It could get dirty. I can kick really, really yeah, well. Tim's Seriously, fast. Yeah, He's like yeah. stabby. Yeah, he is. Stabby. You gotta be careful. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, do, you, do you want to read this one that's uh, facetious, facetiously mean, Ian? Yeah, you gave me two good ones, so let's. <laughs> John Smith says, Ian has the memory of an elephant and the critical thinking skills of a potato. I think <laughs> elephants have a good memory. They have the memory. best memory. Yeah. 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 So that's why it was like facetiously. That's odd, because I would have flipped it around. I think, I think <laughs> that my, skill, my thinking skills are better, but my memory sometimes is... Hmm. Like a potato. A potato. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> BN says, I'm free-spirited and can't be tamed. Please legislate my speech and control what ideas I'm able to hear, think, and share. Yeah, boy. You got it. Martin Edgar says, Trump is the new Pluto. What does that mean? Huh. Oh, the planet that doesn't exist. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Chris Hill brings up a really good point. He says, they did celebrate winning on November 7th. There was a mob at the White House playing YMCA to mock Trump's last rally, and they were all jumping in the street and swinging champagne and stuff. But then after that, it got really mournful. You know what I mean? It's like a weird. Now they're all yeah. angry. And like, like, what have we know. done? What have we done? The journalists were freaking out there. I don't know what they're going to do. Trumpism. Nice try. Prod Chucho says, hey, IRL gang, what's what's y'all favorite donut? Ooh. Glazed. Glazed. That's you know, your answer. I, 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 I would agree, actually. What you do know? you think? Luke? Glazed. Yeah. Jelly. Jelly. Ooh. Jelly, really? I like yeah, I'm, I'm going glazed with the chocolate icing. Ooh. Tim, yeah. Tim made some glazed kind of donut, donut. Oh, that's right. They yeah, had yeah, that yeah. awesome glaze on them. It was yeah. like a cinnamon glaze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really good. It was brown sugar, cinnamon, vanilla, a little bit of peanut oil, some heavy cream, and then we bet you know we 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 cooked it. Oh, we have a deep fryer on the way. Yeah, we have deep that's fryer coming. And know, then we made these we, these deep fried little discs. They were like donuts. And then we just tossed them in this glaze and uh, people went nuts. Did you get one of those home fryers about yay big? Because I got one of those. Yeah. It's too small after a while. You just, you try doing wings, you're doing like 35 batches. I'm I'm ready to get a commercial size fryer. I'm down. (laughs) Full size. Just give me 50 wings at once. Yes. All right. Ravine Payne says, Raven Payne, sorry. So I really want to know, is Luke single? Dibs and AMC plus GME diamond hands to the moon. Also, need some sort of video where everyone is high as hell the whole time like Ian is. I really want to see where things go. Maybe the tables turn. That'd be funny. We could either take acid or DMT. (laughs) Tim doesn't like when I talk about illegal stuff. 
Was no, I'm saying I'm, I don't do drugs. Tim, let's get I'm stoned and talk about whatever. I think YouTube will take that down, won't For they? Sure. Yeah, yeah, we'd no, have to no, put it private, on like, members only. the private thing. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That phase of my life is over. So Richard Cook says, UK House of Lords has many political appointees, not just landed gentry. They are appointed by the government on the day for life, like SCOTUS. Interesting. Grant Thompson says, if you're not bringing up H.R. 127, you are woefully not paying attention. Browse it. Look for the punishment for not being licensed. If you are going to allow this to happen, then you, ex- then, then accept, then you accept your chains. This. Yep. Promise. McGuffin says, Ian's wrong all the time, 60% of the time. JK, man, you're good peeps. Might have to cancel you for grabbing women, though. Luke's a great addition. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I never grabbed a woman. Don't do it. Yeah, what is that's that? What was that about? Not. Well, you made a statement oh, earlier, yeah. and I was like, yeah. you, so that's when you get tasered. Yeah. Advice for like young people that are looking to get into relationships, and when you when you meet someone, be willing to offer to shake their hand. I found that just making some sort of physical contact when you first meet someone really kind of breaks a barrier, and it makes it easier to get to know them. Mind blowing, dude. We should make this a custom. I know. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy to think that <laughs> yeah. we have to continuously teach the young people the things that we think are, are common. Oh, I see. I see it's true. I see, yeah, especially with COVID. It's why I thought about doing porn, because I want to show people how to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to teach people how to make love. Yeah. yeah. What better way? <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike E says, can you deep fry with vinegar? I know someone with 25 <laughs> gallons of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who? That would be us. Get me in touch with that. Oh, person. that is a good use of the beans. Language. Thinking about the beans? it now. Yeah. Deep I just ordered a bunch beans. more well, oils. Well, the re- you know, wrestling or whatever it was. Music DC, uh, music DC guy one says, being how Ian has his view on everything is energy, I would love to take him on a paranormal investigation. Ooh. That and that t- I think we should bring Tim too. We we talk and like watch those ghost shows from time. I'm kind of laugh about them. Yeah, but- it's so it's so obviously fake. It's like I love watching them though because it's funny. It's funny, and they know it's funny. But like a guy walks. Okay, you've been doing this for for ten years. You've been to thousands of different haunted houses, and you're still scared when someone goes, oh, "What's that? What, what's that? Oh." I don't know. Oh, dude. And then they all run out of the building and they're like, oh, and they're yeah. filming themselves freaking out. But there's something we we're talking about the Higgs field <laughs> last night and the God particle, the Higgs boson. And that it, there's this field where it seems like energy is like cracking and turning into matter. So, you know, if we can develop the right sensors, maybe we, we-, we need to do more shows, actually. So as we expand Timcast.com, we're planning on actually doing other sites as well. And I think we, you know, we talked about this for a while. I actually did a couple episodes. Cassandra wrote. Uh, one episode for us. It was like a 10 or 15 minute long podcast edited with music. And it was about the hauntings of, of, of Disney, of, of Disney World, I think. And like people see Walt Disney like walking around and like appearing in a window and creepy stuff like that. So we've done a couple of those and they, they were huge successes, you know? So, so we're, we definitely want to do weird, wild paranormal conspiracy. And I think we just got to do new shows for it. And I'm totally down to do it. And, uh, I think it'll be coming soon probably because I don't see why not. Maybe like a weekend thing, you know, we'll see. That being said, I think uh, we're going to move now to the members-only content. So go to TimCast.com, and once we wrap up here, we're going to then record the segment. So usually around maybe like 11, it will be up, and it should be an inter- interesting discussion around—I think we're going to be talking about critical race theory. Luke is now a newly defined person of color, and there's some stuff around this that we'll get into. So if you haven't, go to TimCast.com, sign up. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Minds at TimCast. My other YouTube channels are YouTube.com slash TimCast, YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. And we do this show Monday through Friday live at 8 p.m. We'll be back tomorrow, of course. Jack, I hear that you got stuff going on. I do, I do. Jack Murphy live on Twitter. And if you're interested in the values I'm talking about, masculinity, brotherhood, sovereignty, and you're looking for a community of people with like-minded values, check out the Liminal Order, liminal-order.com. Also, please 
Give me a follow on YouTube. New videos every day. Jack Murphy Live on YouTube. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you, Whiteys. Uh, appreciate <laughs> you guys letting me uh, actually have a voice here. But uh, the shirt that I'm wearing right now says all my favorite channels have been demonetized or deleted. There's been a lot of demonetizations today, especially with channels like Ford Fisher. Uh, I know that hurts. It happened to me before. So definitely go check out Ford. But if you want to buy the per the shirt, you can on the bestpoliticalshirts.com. But one of the best, smartest things you could do is sign up on my email list. And therefore, there is no big technocratic middle person saying who I could talk to and who I can't. One-on-one -on -one communication on wearechange.org in the top right-hand corner. Put it in your email. It's very easy. And I could talk to you, which is very important for me and my independent media organization. And... Uh, I hear someone is a single Pringle. Ooh. Oh, that would, that would be me. Join <laughs> Ian's OnlyFans, guys. So, <laughs> coming soon. Naked he yoga. will teach you how to make love. <laughs> to the moon. Let's go slow. Tantra's real. You let the woman do most of the moving. Uh, we can get into that in the, in the, in the, con in the, uh, paywall content. Well, that's your OnlyFans content. Yeah, yeah. We'll go there on OnlyFans. Um, Jack, thank you for coming. I love you. You're such a force of positivity and understanding negativity and using it and manipulating your negative jujitsu. Liminal Order is awesome. Thank you. I know you guys are blowing up and I want to just really shout out the Liminal Order. That's such a cool opportunity to be around you while you're building that. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. And it's it, mutual. And you guys can follow me at Ian Crossland on the internet. I've, I'm building up my Twitch channel right now. I'm going Twitch partner, the road to prosperity. Thanks. Very cool. And I am Sour Patch Lids. I am... <clears throat> At Sour Patch Lids on Twitter and Mines, and then Real Sour Patch Lids on Instagram and Gab. Oh, I remember this time. Good for me. The next segment will be at TimCast.com. Thank you all so much for hanging out, and we will see you all there. Bye, guys.